the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Big Rays, the Alaskan outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Rays has the gear you need tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. Check out their new exclusive line of Aurolic waders. Big Rays for all your outdoor gear and rugged work attire. BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack. Located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They are the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include weekly lawn care, custom landscaping, fertilizing, weed control, turf repair, and more. Schedule your free estimate at lawnproak.com. Alaska's OG Cider Company, Double Shovel, crafting gluten-free colonial-style ciders, founded as a healthier non-inflammatory brew option. Drop by their pop and tap room in Anchorage off of 58th and Arctic or visit the second location in Kodiak. Double Shovel, award-winning ciders. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaskan public lands, waters, and wildlife. Their goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping our public lands wild. Stand up today and join BHA at backcountryhunters.org. We need to talk about it right now. Oh, yeah, we kind of touched on, on it a little bit. but Parallel we, we, parking? I don't know. You know how you have a plan of how you want to get into it? <laughs> and it just veers off? Like one subject yeah. just changes the whole... It totally, dude. Just, you're going to go left and you just... Put your head down and like to pick up something and you actually hit the right yeah, exit. Dude. I've seen Alice in Wonderland, man. 
<laughs> What's this parallel parking? Oh, dude, that's like the Kasugi thing. It's like you're taking the ridge parallel to the park. It's pillar. So every time since we got back on the trip, people were like, oh, what'd you do? I was like, oh, we went parallel parking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Brandon, Brandon and Rena invited us on their couples hike that you've done before, and it was really, yeah. really fun. Yeah, the Kasugi was great. It, it was, was amazing. Fun. Thank you. We had yeah. such a good time. It was a blast. Yeah, it was good. Good connection with people. Uh huh. Like it's different when you go backpack hiking because you don't have your car, you don't have machinery. Everything's on your back. You're everyone's doing the same kind of work for, for the most part, mm-hmm. and the phones don't work. So there's yeah. just nothing but you and the people you're with. Nature. And it's kind of crazy how that experience is like almost fucking non-existent. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. You got to work hard for it. I don't know, man. Just real people come out in those situations when they're tired or hurting or exhausted, cold. I mean, just, you know, there's no uh, no hiding from the truths. No, no. The truths of nature when you're out there yeah, doing that. Naked, so, man. No, that was a really good experience. The hike was great. The conditions were a little more technical than they've been in the past. Where do you start? Not quite where, Eric you, where did we start but, in then? You know, what's that? Cole? Cole Creek. And yeah. Then so it came out Ehrman. Yeah. Ehrman Hill. Yeah. yeah, it was 19 miles, what, roughly. What was, like, more technical about it this time? Because I hadn't been there before. I felt like the water crossings were definitely a little bit more aggressive. The, the water coming down the mountain was a little bit, I guess it just, where the rocks that you had to walk on would have normally been dry. Mm. They were slimy and yeah. wet, some of them. Yeah. So they made them, I would say, moderately hazardous. Not extreme, right. but... You know, yeah. Just you had to pay attention. You definitely didn't want to see your wife or your girlfriend or your girlfriend or wife see you yeah. eat shit in the creek. Yeah, swim. <laughs> the snow crossings in the mud. It was very muddy and wet. We did yeah. a lot of uh, detours around the main trail. Yeah, which made it like not hard, just m- extra. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Would it be better doing September? <clears throat> I don't know. You know, this year I think it was a perfect time because we've had such. Uh, a blueless summer, you know. A late the, start. We, to have, we have vitamin D levels are real low, mm. and uh, when you're in that area of the interior, you get like that Rocky Mountain like quick weather system stuff. So it was like raining and windy, but then you know, an, an hour later it was hot, and you're dried out again, and you got to see the sun. And I kind of really enjoyed that. That felt like the only summer I've had so far. You know, that and Father's Day. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. This, this past Saturday, Saturday was, was nice, yeah. yeah. I thought the water conditions were pretty decent. I mean, uh, I didn't get my boots wet. I know he's the only guy that didn't get his feet wet. Yeah. Maybe you and Cisco. Yeah. I, I think we're the did only Did get wet? I thought she said yeah, she did she get her feet wet. Yeah, she stepped in once. Yeah, that's right. And I was just like yeah. tromping. I mean, I pretty much wanted to get did my feet wet. Did you wear your sheep? Right your sheep yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I wore the Scarpas. Yeah, the... I forget which ones they are, but yeah, the, the they're sheep hunting or mountaineer. They're mountaineering boots. Did, what'd you wear? They were pretty stiff. I have those Selloway oh, like mid mid range hiking slash. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a mountaineering boot, but it has like a nice shank, and it's. I needed to get insoles. Oh man, I just clapped those things out. Oh really? By Saturday, by the end of the, the last stretch. Uh-huh. I mean, it was just straight hot pads i was walking on oh man not blisters but just my feet were on fire dude terribly yeah i think i'm in year six or seven with those um the i could got like custom insoles from the physical therapist Mm -hmm. and yeah those those are still they're still rocking it i think they're getting worn out pretty good but 
Yeah, that's a long time to make, you know, what's that? You know, say you had to pay 200 bucks and over seven years, you're just, that's pocket change. Oh, sure. No, per, you did per good. Per year. So you got blistered up at the yeah, end. Yeah. No, yeah. I didn't tighten those boots. Like, I feel like you got to walk like three or 400 yards, tighten them up, and then maybe another half mile or something, and then tighten them up again. Then you're good for the day. And I was pretty lazy about that mm-hmm. on that first climb. Dude, Jack got torn up on this trip with the mosquitoes. No, man. You got like the, the, the belt, pack chafe. My belt twisted. Oh. Mm. And I didn't, you know, I kind of felt something, but I didn't really care. And <laughs> we get to He's the like, top. Man, and is, is this bad? And we're just like, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> just because open yeah. flesh. I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> Jack, that needs like ointment and wraps and yeah. the things, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Everybody bust their first aid kits out. This dude's going to be hurt. <laughs> but that mom you had was really good. But then I yeah. had that kinesiology tape. You've seen me use it on my feet before, but it's just like the regular kinesiology tape you put all over your, you know, muscles and stuff. Um, but but that is like frictionless right and it sticks sticks so you know i could put it i put it right over those things and i mean they're straight open wounds and (laughs) the rest of the trip i didn't even feel it it hurt like hell when i pulled them off in the shower i was just thinking to myself like man if you just had to put a t-shirt back on the next day and then run that i got kind of lazy about it just because like we're used to like okay you know we're, we're going out for 10 days on a sheep hunt or something and it's like oh something's bothering me i'm gonna stop and check it and i'm like oh this is two nights uh you know and then i was like jokes on me <laughs> just <laughs> yourself all up oh totally dude. i was like all right i'm gonna be really responsible the rest of the trip <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah. it was like the second was it the second the sunday and you were like man something's rubbing or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, my toe. And I was like, Jack, now's the time, dude. <laughs> yeah, you dude. wanted to just go, and I was like, man, I feel like if you just do it now, yeah. or you're going to regret it. And he, I don't know, he adjusted something, but his, his shit was still blown out. Did you see that? My, when we were walking that Saturday night, I was like, hey, do your feet ever get sore anywhere? You're like, oh, my 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 foot, my left foot kind of slides the, in the boot. Um, what's this part of your foot? Where it's like the meat of your big toe? Yeah. yeah what is that? What is that, Eric? I call that the middle toe. <clears throat> I call yeah. that the meta the metatarsal. Oh. Metatarsal. I believe. Yeah, right the metatarsal. Like that pressure on that yeah. part of my foot oh. just starts yeah. fucking wailing mm. after about nine miles. That left boot was just like plus. a little loose and I could just feel like a little hot spot on my big toe and I was like, Oh, it's fine. And that foot's numb all the time anyway from oh, that injury I had yeah. as a kid. So I was like, ah, it's probably not a big deal. And I got to camp and I had a bl- a blister the size of uh, like a half dollar. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> on your toe? Oh, yeah. I was he comes over and shows totally me. It's just like, lazy. I can see a pulse just. <laughs> <laughs> I put that kinesiology tape on it. It didn't uh, pop. You had to go put your feet in the creek, man. Oh, that man. was like a life-changing yeah. experience, dude. I should have done it before I went to bed that night. Because, mm. uh, yeah, my feet were hot. I couldn't sleep. And with that Kafaro half zip, I can't stand not have my feet in. So I told you not to. You bought that? I love that sleeping bag, but I cannot handle not pulling my feet out. So I end up just like sleeping on the pad and using it as a blanket. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot it. you bought that. I love it, except for when your feet get hot. Yeah. Which is every time. Yep. <laughs> you know what else? I need to just awesome. install a zipper. You know, I bet there's a place that will install a zipper. Just a foot zip. Just cut it and zip it. You know, we'll yeah. just use does that. Somewhere in town, do that. Yeah, there's people that do that. Who, for sure. who does that? <clears throat> there's a dude that I think rents out of the hoarding marmot, the fixed line or something. Mm-hmm. Is that the dude in Girdwood? He was. I think he sold a business to somebody who's based out of Anchorage now. Was that Powderhounds? Was originally something like it? that? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> where they would take it 
and then like it's this weird thing where the dude doesn't have like a customer facing so he's like all right you take the clothes for my customer and then i'll come to you and get them yeah and and then i'll give them back to you and then you got to figure out how to get payment and then give that back to me. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. But I think they're figuring it out. All right. Yeah. yeah. But, but Hordy Marmon, <clears throat> they got their shit together. They do. I want to see if they'll there. fix my canvas tent, man. I blew a hole in my canvas tent. But it's like an 800-pound <laughs> tent. Yeah. So I'm like to bring this somebody to fix or deal with this monstrous yeah. fucking piece of fabric. Is it actually like an Arctic oven or like a camping tent? It's a canvas, like wall tent. Teton, tarp, Teton, Teton. Uh, well, I haven't, I haven't like started shopping. Around. Yeah, I just did a half-ass <clears throat> Gore-Tex patch on it. I'll rock through the rest of the summer, <laughs> and then eventually I'd like to get it fixed. Yeah, but I was oh, going to mention. Um, I don't want to forget my thought because I wanted to give the dogs that came on that hike oh, a yeah. fucking mad praise, dude. Because I was kind of nervous about everybody bringing dogs. I mean, truth be told, no, we've never had dogs on the trip, so I'm like. Oh, shit. I'm like, okay, all right, well, whatever. I'm thinking, well, that's cool. They'll be, like, you know, good for bears and critters and everything else. And I figured Jack and Darcy's dogs were good listening trail dogs, and they were every bit of that and more. I mean, they behaved, they stayed, they, like, they did everything they were supposed to. They kind of, uh, Jack's little girl birded off a couple times, and she's starting to lose her hearing. So you'd have to really yell at her, and eventually you'd hopefully get her attention when she was like on the other side a quarter mile ridge. away you're yeah. like oh man it was just tough because you didn't want to see her putting that extra miles yeah. on when she's 14 years old yeah she kind of just come down on the trail and stay on the trail but yeah. you know, not gonna you're a bird it. dog you can't help yourself she did awesome but yeah. they were flushing tarm again left and right i was like oh wow that's badass these dogs are doing the thing yeah like i've never actually seen bird dogs working you weren't even commanding no they were just no. doing it on their own yeah it's in there that in was their pretty bad man yeah How'd the other oh. dogs do? Oh, well, Chad and Jamie didn't bring their dogs. They didn't come. Oh, that's right. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it was Cisco and, and Nikki. So. That teepee was amazing, though. And for the dogs, yeah. it was perfect. So we I had the black diamond four-person teepee. It weighed like a pound. Yeah. It was a pound and a half. You just rocked those, pole. right, Eric? Those black just, diamond teepees? Just a blue. Yeah. 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 With a pole. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we use those in the winter, though, where you dig down. Yeah, the there snow. you go. Yeah. So you can have like yeah, we got a, a picture. A Is that you playing the guitar? <clears throat> You sent me a photo? I did, yeah. I don't have a lot of photos of myself except for like those. Like just two. random, oh, super man. candid yeah, ones? Dude, is, like that, is that you in one of those teepees? Looks like yeah. it. Yeah. That's yeah. A, it's a mid, you would say, in the parlance. Okay. Did you bring the mid? Yeah, we brought the mid. You look, you look weathered. Yeah, that's at 11,000 feet. Yeah. You uh, look like a mountain, like, like a freaking Sherpa. So you just pack that bag full of snow. What do you okay. got here? Cast iron you're carrying up to Denali? Dude, that's a fry bake. Do you know about fry bakes? <laughs> that uh, thing's light, but you can't fuck it up. It's like an ultralight cast iron in a way. Really? Oh. Yeah. It's fucking sick. Yeah, you guys just cooking methods, nice. man. Yeah. It's just I mean, it's a lot of equipment that's that they got backpacked there. Yeah, the yeah, Purell. That's, that's the kitchen duffel. Oh man, hand sanity's key, dude. Oh, yeah. so there's a whole pack that's just the start kitchen? Shitting yourself. Yeah, no kidding. You know? Yeah. And the big uh salsa. Hot sauce bottle. It's key. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. That, that shit. We brought two bottles of sriracha with us. Nice. Yeah, you got the yeah. sriracha on everything. Uh, everything. Yeah. yeah. Flavor it out. Yeah. No, that TP did good. I was I, I was worried about the bugs for you guys. Yeah. But, yeah, I was. you guys did good. Well, the, the bugs all go to the top in there, right? Yeah. Just kind of all mingle up there. Yeah, yeah they, they do. do. In there. So they do. Did you guys, like, sit on the ground when you were using that one? 
without the snow, like without digging down, how do you? Yeah, yeah we yeah, always yeah. used them just on tundra and the and yeah. mountain yeah. top. Yeah, yep. they work good, it's and then the dogs can just lay down in there, and you don't yeah. have you can cook in there. You're not worried about you know the yeah. dog pump, pump, you know, putting a hole in your tent or whatever. Then it can get, leave when it wants. They go right under the edge right. to go to the bathroom, uh, which I wasn't really stoked about. But uh, you yeah. could put it all the way down. Yeah, yeah. So we, I started kind of tinkering with that on the night, the second night when we started having some bugs. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you could get it all the way down. You, you can, yeah. But I, I mean, you lose my, a little space. But my initial stakes were like too far out to get it all the way down without doing a complete reset. So, did you get the other stakes, or did you use the ones that came with it? So I used the ones that came with it, but I figured out a new way to put the tie onto those. So. Um, did you loop it to a loop in the thing? So if you lose it, it doesn't fly. Yeah. So like I loop, I looped it around and then did like a crossover and then back in to the loop. So it was like so it looped, po- a self tightening loop. Okay. So if it pops out, it's not going to fly. We right. had one, we took one on our sheep hunt last yeah. year and we're like on top of this mountain. They're like, <laughs> something's going on with the teepee down there. I'm thinking something got in there or something. Cause one side just like, and a gust must've came and like, just launched one launch one of the anchors yeah. anchors out and we couldn't find it and <laughs> yeah made a maneuver some other stuff but. <laughs> that's yeah. why that's yeah. why you always give me shit and i bring that extra little utility bag yeah. it's probably like mm-hmm. you know 14 ounces yeah. of shit gore-tex tape electrical tape fucking um, duct tape banners too little I got, I got i got a little extra um rip cord i got like four stakes yeah, I never and gave the, a shit about that. Have that yeah, little man, I got spine. that little bag of stuff, and you're like, I, oh yeah. I got my own bag of stuff. Just well, probably maybe developed that you, for my bag of maybe, stuff. Maybe okay. Yeah. I like yeah. to bring the <laughs> little your spine bag of stuff for yeah. your bag of stuff. <laughs> my bag of stuff maybe bigger than I yours. I mean, now, they, look, they're like, oh, all this food, and then they're packing more candy. Oh, you bring all these extra clothes, and then they're bringing more puffies. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm like motherfuckers. Then they're bringing the utility bag. No one's carrying else is carrying a Leatherman though. I got a Leatherman. Oh really? Little bag. Uh, I have a go. Leatherman All that's right. like this big. Yeah. And now you're 69 pounds going in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're ready. But you're ready rifle, for yeah. all circumstances. Yeah. Add a right. rifle and water, yeah. 80 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> and six uh, six double shovels. What else did we bring? Oh, a bag oh, you're of cherries. Oh. Dude, we brought <laughs> all these, like, these fruity fucking, we bring bottles of wine in these special platypus bags that me and Rena bring. Just total fucking snobs. And these guys just packed up beer. Good. And I drink yeah. none of my fucking wine because uh, Jack was sharing ciders and beer. Yeah, I'm, I'm packed like, up I'm, cider I'm for the rest of the done life. bringing yeah. wine. I am packing beer. Like, fuck it. That's what, <laughs> like, that's what Alexia gonna, said. She's like, we're not bringing wine. I don't want to drink a wine up there. I want no. a cold beer. No, I, yeah. I mean, I drink. Well, I just thought because that was just the easy way to bring some booze. Yeah. If you're going to do that, bring whiskey. Well, okay. Th- that's what's missing. And we need to add yeah. that. I brought that whole thing of gin and we didn't even touch it. True. It's because it wasn't whiskey. I would say after a cider and then dinner, it seemed like you're good. I mean, and then yeah. and then a you know you smoke up a spliff and then it's like by that time it's one o'clock in the morning. You you're good. Yeah, you're and if good. you're dehydrated, you know your old lady's yeah, winking totally. at you. She's going into the tent. You're just like. I like only to, on night only on night one though. I like the beers while we were walking. They're having a cider while we were. I know walking. that was the other that thing. A beer in the mid hike. I'm like, what? Yeah. This is unheard of. Don't stop. Calories. Keep, keep drinking. Oh no shit. Yeah. yeah, felt great. We, we heard this on Denali. Food, beer has food value. 
food has no gear value. <laughs> That's true. That's genius. <laughs> wow. That's very true. Damn, my, you guys see my head explode? <laughs> Shit it. just... Did someone hike one to the top? Uh, no, it's too cold. Yeah. It's too mm-hmm. cold. Freeze. Yeah, no. So you bring yeah. whiskey. Yeah, whiskey. Yeah. What kind of whiskey? Food has no But when you value. don't communicate and everybody brings two fifths each. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty. We had some scotch. We had some bourbon, some rye. Nice. Had, yeah, it was a variety of things. Nice. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that goes. I, yeah. I feel like I need to be really relearned on this because I feel like I'm really willing to step my game up and figure out how to bring some shit on a sheep on. Yeah. Like the whole going sober for 10 days is, is good. It's a good thing. Yeah. Not to put any booze in your body, but I mean, just one of those nights or two of those nights to get a good buzz on. We yeah. always bring like one shot totally nice. per night before bed. Like that's what we always do: either gin yeah. or whiskey. When we went, okay. Jack had a whole pocket full of the little airplane. Yeah, <laughs> I did. That was yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. Crown Royal, whatever I could get for free. Yeah, um, yeah. The gin one is good though, because like a lot of like the electrolytes mix well with it, and so that's why I like the gin thing. And then I put the gin in. Uh, there's like this one coconut water that's better than all the rest i forget what it's called but it's in this super stable white bottle and so you know just put it in there and it like takes on the coconut flavor and then you add it to like the electrolytes and it's you kind of got this like fizzy thing that's pretty bomb i thought you were drinking that shit straight i was like that's kind of it's awful dude yeah yeah Yeah, dude yeah thanks yeah that doesn't sound fun Mm. no uh, welcome to Alaska Wild Project, episode 125. Uh, today we have the homie Eric Wickenheiser from the Rock Gym, also from the Spinard Art Studio, and recently just climbed Denali. Was on was on Denali. On Denali. I think you got to be careful about saying you climbed Denali. Okay. Yeah. Climbed. I said climbed on. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely <laughs> doing some climbing on Denali. There you yeah. go. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, no summit this season, so... You don't want to say you climbed it when you did. Was that weather related? Fuck yeah, it was crazy. Well, the whole idea that you were there for a month and then we were dealing with all this bullshit ass weather mm-hmm. for the last month where there was only four fucking nice days in like 30 something days. Counted them. Where you could wear flip flops and a sleeveless t shirt for six and get hours. Your, yeah, and get some vitamin D. It had to be fucked up there. It was pretty weird. I've been in the range. Every year I've lived in Alaska and climbed Denali in 2019. And this year was like negative 20 as a high. Not even at the top of the mountain, but like at the midway point. Wow. So vicious. You were not, you just weren't doing it. Well, I think one thing that we should be careful about not talking about too soon is I was part of an organization repping the hat today. So I was up there with a different purpose than just to climb. It was like a volunteer at the park service doing search and rescue work. Yeah. So you got a bit of a different mindset where you're like, hey, if it's going to be risky for you, you're no good to anyone else. So you kind of have to be a little more conservative than the average climber. Mm. And then B, at one point I did the math and I figured we were treating a frostbite patient per hour. Oh, like wow. walking into the NPS camp being like, hey, you want to look at this? <laughs> On top of like other issues we were dealing with with people, you know, like, people falling and having to actually go do rescue work. Wow. But you just had this nonstop stream of people being like, Ooh. hey, my toe's not doing too good. Some of which were quite severe and some of which were 
hopefully just severe frost nip, hard saying. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that kind of kills your motivation to really go spend some time up high. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, we're going to um, put some hype, little breaks on the hype real quick. We'll yeah. circle back on that. Yes, please. Um, let's talk about you, Alaska, your story, your history, the rock gym, like how'd you get here? What is, you know, we had you on for Dude's Day, what, two years ago, 2021. Um, we kind of got like a really quick crash course. Obviously, we were on a time constraint, not to mention that was like our maybe second day on the job around that time. Uh, <laughs> could have fooled me. It yeah. was actually, that was our first uh, live, live event. Live yeah. and, and on the road kind of yeah. deal, which was which was fun and great experience. But yeah, it was. Yeah, give us a recap. Give us a reminder. What? All right. Um, I've been in Alaska for seven years, a little over seven years now. And I was originally brought up here because I worked for a climbing wall manufacturer based out of Bend, Oregon. And uh, I grew up in the Midwest. And then at the age 30, they're like, you want to go travel building climbing walls? Which is a fucked up and fun thing to do. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Mm. I did it. I jumped and went to Bend. And then I traveled for a long time building walls all over North America. and Artificial climbing walls. Artificial climbing walls. Mm-hmm which is like this weird blend of uh, a useful structure. You climb on it. An art, artistic structure. Mm-hmm. It's like weird angles mm-hmm. and weird yeah. geometries Super and colors. Creative. yeah. And then like, how the fuck do you build that and then put it inside of a normal building? Mm-hmm. And like the physics and the engineering behind that. And so it's this weird intersection of all three of those spaces. And it was super fun because I basically got to go onto commercial construction sites all over North America and do the thing that, like OSHA says, you should never do. Mm. <laughs> and, like, that's kind of the job. It's like, well, we walled in the entire area so we can't get any man lifts up, so you have to figure out how to get it up there on your own and use a bunch <laughs> of dirty climber tricks to go do stuff. They just yeah. turn their back on and hope you don't cause them to do some paperwork. And so I did that for, like, <laughs> three years, built walls all over... I say North America because I did a bunch of Canadian jobs as well as U.S. jobs. And then they're like, do you want to go to Alaska for three months? And I was like, absolutely. But I'm driving. And so I drove my Subaru that probably shouldn't have made it up. Classic story like all of us. (laughs) Rolled into Anchorage and was like, duct tape and chicken wire. (laughs) Oh, dude, this is a good story. So it's like my first time really driving this far north. And was it Prince Rupert? It's like that last fucking town before you just like really quest off into northern British Columbia. And I'm pretty paranoid, a little stoned. And I'm gassing up at like the last gas station. You look down the road and it's just like blackness. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, just right into it's like the beginning of, yeah, when it gets yeah. real. The dark forest. And then this dude rolls up in the exact same car as me with the exact same color. And I'm like, Mm. Nice ride. Yeah. Turns out he's a total Subaru fanatic. And he's just like, blah, I can fix anything on a Subaru with this bag of tools right here. I'm like, would you look at my vehicle? <laughs> <laughs> and he does. He like pops the hood. And he's like, oh, this year, you know, it's a 2.296. Like this thing's bomber. The only thing that's ever going to go on this is the alternator. Here's, here's an alternator. Like he had an alternator in his, his back. <laughs> like, come here. Yeah, and he gives me a fucking alternator. Yes. And it's not hard to replace an alternator. You know, yeah. I had some wrenches and so I was like, all right, that was like my little guardian angel. <laughs> Actually, I lied. I wasn't stoned yet. That was the problem is I was driving through Canada and didn't have any weed. Mm. Oh. Okay. 
Okay. That's where you need to save me for myself and maybe edit some of this yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. And well, then he's like, hey, do you want to no go, go get stoned? And of course, it's like, oh my God, it's my guardian angel. He just like looked over my car, gave me an alternator, and it's going to send me off with some weed. And like, and that was the first time I drove to Alaska. Nice. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> was he a Alaska little, guy? A little, um, no, he lived in Prince Rupert. All right. Oh, and oh, then he gets just a local. He's a local. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, that's cool. And then the best part was we like exchanged contact info, and for the next three times I drove through there, he'd like hook it up with weed because you. I don't yep. know anyone in Canada. Yep. I'm not going to cross the border yeah. with it. And so I'd, he'd be like, oh, it's in the flower pot. Yeah. <laughs> so we had this like intersecting relationship for years where we'd only see each other or, or talk about when I was rolling through. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, awesome. Hilarious. Yeah. The connecting uh, Prince Rupert. Dude. dude. Yeah. I don't even remember the guy's name to be honest anymore, but yeah, it's good times. Angel. to remember that. The angel. Exactly. Yeah. What, what, what was the Subaru? What was it? A 96? It was a 96 Outback held together by duct tape. You called it. So the Outback is, you're talking about the little stubby one. No. No. The, the wagon? The wagon. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. And they have this 2.2 engine from that era, which is why Subaru like has its name for reliability. Mm. Debatable, debatable if that's still the case. But this is the engine that's like, yeah. you can't get, you can shoot it with a fucking Yeah, you could like run it out of whatever. oil and it keep going. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So. so anyways, I get to Anchorage. I immediately know that this is the place I want to be. Like, visceral gut check of like mm. I've been traveling for three years and like this is the spot this is the mountains of my imagination and I'm building the gym and history I skipped over is I worked at a bunch of climbing gyms before I started building climbing oh, gyms okay. yep yep one of those things where I'm like, I don't really think I want to work at a climbing gym anymore. You know, I'm like 30 years old. I should probably do something else. But I'm building this gym and these people are like, hey you should apply so we can hire you. You know, it's very forthcoming, like, where's your, where's your fucking resume? Come on. And they were looking for an ops manager. And it was like my end to stay in Alaska. Yeah. So I oh. took, took the job. Okay. And basically just never left. What year was this? I was in nine, uh, oh, wait, wait, what decade is it? 26. 20 fucking 16. 2016. Yeah, 2016. Wow, so you've been at it, um, Going on ten years, is that the yeah. year the Rock Gym opened? Twenty sixteen. That's the year that they went and did a huge upgrade from an old facility over by the strip. Right, club. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I when was they built say the there new was one. another. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my the other important thing here is like the Alaska Rock Gym is one of the longest running climbing gyms in North America. It's like number eleven or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Like super early what adopter. A cool story. Oh yeah. And the general manager has been the general manager for like the entire time. Whoa. Like she might be the longest running general manager of any climbing facility in North America. You know, it's mm. like one of those things where it's a new industry. And so uh, to work for this like longstanding organization and mm -hmm. it's like a deep community, you know. Oh, hell yeah. It's like any Alaskan community. It's super interwoven and it's like not anyone can just roll in and like, you know, take over the scene and have a go well. So it's been a huge part of what I've done over the last six years is just like integrate into the Alaskan climbing culture, yeah, which is yeah. super rad and yeah. I want to do anyways, but. And it's intimate, right? Like you guys all know each other. Anybody that climbs, like seriously, you guys all know first name. It's at like. At this point, right? Once in a while, some somebody will come out on the woodwork and just like be out crushing that you've never seen before. And it's so refreshing because everybody else is like a known entity. How does it compare to other communities? I think every climbing community feels like it's a super special tight knit community. I think 
it's hard to explain to people who don't live in Alaska how that's just magnified up here. Mm. Um, magnified it, as in like the love or magnified as in like the numbers? I think both. Mm. Yeah, I think that it's super intimate, so there's just not that many people. Like we mm-hmm. generally are serious when we joke that Alaskan climbing would benefit from more climbers. Like, you know, every other activity you're worried about like having too many participants but mm-hmm. oh. nature is so productive up here that these routes i mean good climbing routes see a lot of traffic and get cleaned up the lichen mm-hmm. the moss the dirt mm-hmm. the loose rock all gets cleaned up by traffic mm-hmm. we climb like on, human impact yeah at the right amount not too much not too little here you're climbing like a popular route and you're pulling off like you know hand-sized boulders that are just sitting there because not you know mm-hmm. like no 10 people do it a year 20 people do it a year right, right. doesn't yeah. get rallied yeah yeah very few things get rallied yeah. in the climbing <laughs> world up here have you seen um an increase in numbers i know that there's been a lot of um youth getting involved and when i saw you there i was on a field trip with with some students um and as that place is available for anyone and anyone that wants to go learn to go do it i'm assuming that there's been an increase in absolutely i think that's like all the other uh, climbing areas in the world where the sport's just like, it's on its exponential upswing and will be for at least another decade probably. Yeah. Yeah. And as a byproduct, people come to the gym, then some of those people learn to climb outside. And so, yeah, we're definitely seeing more climbers outside, but it's still not quite, like I was at Hatcher Pass this weekend you guys all talked about the weather. It was mm-hmm. fucking incredible. I'm literally sunburned. It was so yeah. nice. Yeah, you got some, you got some yeah. sun going on there. And then, like, there was, I don't know, five other parties. Seven other parties climbing. And that's, like, a busy day. I'm yeah. in the best area in, wow. in Alaska. Yeah. yeah. So, not that much going on. And, like, the you go to places like, I go climbing in Kentucky, or you go to Yosemite, and there's just mm. lines on shit. Right. Literally lines. Oh, really? To get on routes. Yeah. I feel like when we first met you, you had just done that, or you were getting ready to go do that. Kentucky, that? right? Kentucky. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah I feel yeah. like that rings a bell big time. My dad lives in Michigan, and so a way to okay. like rectify the family time mm. with the adventure time is the southeast is littered with really good rock, which we talked about. You're right. Yes, yeah, we did. And so I just fly to see my dad in Detroit, and then drive six hours, ten hours south, and there's just an unlimited amount of rock to climb. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's probably not my first pick, but it's literally world class climbing. Like Kentucky, Arkansas, like uh, yeah. Well, and you know what's funny is geography. Arkansas is actually like pretty fucking far away, but there's also really good climbing there. It's yeah. like Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, West Virginia, North Carolina. Yeah, wild. That's funny yeah. you say that because that never yeah. like totally. would have thought think, that that's like a climbing you think people spot. People are climbing in no. like Colorado and Utah and. Yeah, and that's all New Mexico, and and that's where I would go if you know my parents didn't live in the Midwest. Yeah, is it all like canyons and stuff that they're climbing? No, it's southeast. It's like super overhanging walls, Uh long walls. Because what it is is the rivers have undercut the the sandstone, Mm -hmm. and so and the way that sandstone is so hard is it actually is able to like suspend itself. So you kind of have these like amphitheaters yeah. of like where the river bend was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, you get cool. some inverts and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Is the Alaska sense. rock gym, the only rock gym in Alaska? No, it's the only rock gym in Anchorage. Okay. There's a gym in Wasilla 
that is owned by a dude who also runs the gymnastics place and the CrossFit place there. It's all like right there. Place is wild. No comment. Um, <laughs> and uh, Wild West or what? Something like that? You know, it's like when you have a business predicated on risk, risk management becomes kind Ooh, of right. important. Yeah. And everyone has different tolerances is mm. how I put it. Everyone right. has different yeah. comfort levels. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, I see 600 yeah. people a day. I have a pretty conservative approach to risk management. Not everyone does. No. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Some people learn the hard way. They do. <laughs> and sometimes confirmation bias just like keeps ticking along. Yeah. So what, like with the percentage, what percentage of the folks that are climbing inside do you think climb outside? Yeah, I was going to touch on that. Not that many, especially in Alaska, because it's not like you're in California. I mean, what did you say? You had two, four days to climb in a t-shirt, oh, yeah. like be outside in a t-shirt? Yeah. Those are climbing days. Yeah. Like I just started What was the percentage again? Did you drop a percentage mm -hmm. on it? Oh, I don't know. I was make, taking some notes. I'll put it this way. It. Of people who come into the Alaska Rock Gym to learn how to rock climb, the percentage of people who actually get seriously into climbing outside. Yeah. Not like they go once, like somebody takes them once. Right. Like, cool, yeah, climb outside. But like yeah. actually like it's buy, a hobby. buy gear, it's a hobby. It's got to be a 10% turn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Every time I go out in the sound, you know, and look at all the granite and see no climbers out there, I'm like, this is crazy. It's untouched. It's like, here's a bunch of Yosemite, you know? Yeah. Like some of the best rock in Alaska is totally only accessible by water. Yeah. It's right around the corner yeah. and literally like any corner. Yeah. You know, you go back over to Deep Water, Granite Bay, and I mean, it's just these magnificent faces, and I've Shit never seen sketchy. anyone. No out there there's like maybe one established route up one of those as far as i know yeah. yeah yeah i was logan and i were nerding out out there yesterday and we were looking out looking up some books and some people that had gone and tried some of those yeah and it i mean it's hard to find any attempts yeah and i think one of like the big proud faces has like one established line up it but i think even the first ascension has said that you probably wouldn't recommend because unfortunately some of that stuff's like pretty loose rock oh okay yeah that was what i was thinking too yeah it's so it weathered all, and it can go either way sometimes it like cleans shit up you know and the uh, glaciers came through mm -hmm. and just polished it mm -hmm. and other times if it already had a lot of fissures and then the ice and freeze the oh yeah in there. poking things in there yeah but i know even like right out of resurrection a buddy of mine who would know was like some of the best rock in alaska is like in one of these cliffs on as you're leaving resurrection yeah. It's like he walked up to it and touched it and like it was totally clean. Like no mm. no lichen came off, you know, it's like ready to go. Wow. So I think it varies. But I think some of the stuff out in the sound is like pretty real. Yeah. I yeah. I always thought that my dad was a big climber okay. and um you, you know Tetons and that kind of stuff. But um so when we moved here it was like big to get us at the rock gym and and then we like started screwing around and fuck around on the Seward Highway mm -hmm. and the, the shale. And he was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do this anymore. But I'm pretty sure yeah, like if sense. we would have had that sound rock close drivable from Anchorage that we would have participated in it, you know. And I, it just seems like more Alaskans would be out doing the outside part if the access to the good rock was easier. I, I let me touch on that, dude. Yeah, go ahead. Because I've been to the rock gym several times, and in my mind, I feel like I need to go a hundred more times before I would ever attempt yeah. to do anything oh, outside. Because totally. totally. yeah. you feel yeah. in there, you feel safe. You feel like you're secure in there. Yeah. There's no Nothing's wind. There's a pad. There's like people around, and yeah. then you just drive by where you see someone climbing outside, and you're like, 
but they're crazy. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Exactly what you think. Yeah. Dude, it only takes yeah. a little bit of wind. You know, you might be like roadside, but if you're like 40 feet in the air and the wind starts blowing, you might as well be on the moon. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's suddenly just oh. like everything's like. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and the Seward Highway is good for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. a sudden, yeah. just 30 mile an hour gusts will come through. Yeah, it can be like one of those things, too. There's one feature that's pretty tall. It's like 400 feet tall. And so you would normally break it into like a couple different pitches. I like to free solo it. But there's this like mm. 200 foot elevation band where it can be kind of like, well, it gets 400 feet, 450 overall, but at like about 200 feet is where I feel like the winds that are coming down the arm actually rip. Uh, oh yeah. Cause yeah. it'd be like a little windy in the parking lot, but you're like, it's not that bad. Yeah. And then there's just like one section where there's kind of like a spicy move and that's when it's like, yeah. And then you just like try to climb through it and then you're above it. And you know, I mean, it's all really easy climbing, but it's just funny that there's like this one spot where yeah. it like, the, it makes the you pay attention. Always just ripping at that elevation. <laughs> so yeah, you do it with no ropes. I do. I do very few things with no ropes, but I, there's a couple things that are like, pretty some people would just call it extreme hiking yeah yeah it's technically a five seven rock climb but for a very limited section and the rest of it's like fifth class scrambling where yeah you would absolutely die at any point if you fall fell but well, yeah falled is not a word it sounded real though falled it's, uh, it's climber slang. It's like fall. Okay. No, it's not true at all. It's not true. Um, I actually looked up some climber slang. What do you got? What'd you look up? Uh, rock jock. Is that really a thing? <laughs> no, not to my knowledge. Oh, well, what'd, you, right. what'd you read? That sounds like some, some radio some, some shit. Google shit, dude. I don't know. Yeah. That might be some like old 80s. Like, okay. When yeah. the, Rock the, jock? The yeah. micro is in, you know? ESPN made the soundtrack. <laughs> oh, shit. It's like rock jams. Uh, MTV jam. It's a rock jock. That's what I, w I put in the um, show notes. And we went full rock jock. <laughs> it's true. It's happening. <laughs> I'm going to so keep it in there, dude. Yeah, it's it it. I proved it. I told you. I, I thought for sure you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, they call us that. Like, never heard of it? Oh, shit. I need to check my facts. I would say, you know, as a rule, climbers are like, well, it's changing, but they were the anti jocks. Mm. Yeah. They yeah. were, like, generally speaking. Like, I'm intimidated are, by you if we. Hanging out next to a mountainside, and I'm gonna be like, you. you as soon as you, I put my hands down on something, shut it down. If I have to climb with my hands included, we've gone way too far past the comfort zone. Right? So I'm like walking sticks. Might have to put one hand down to Hold kind of go around yeah. the thing. Like, I mean, there's be one hand maybe touching something, but if it's now, I'm my walking sticks are dangling, and I'm all <laughs> I'm all fours with the 80 pound pack. I want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> Take me home. Well, to be fair, <laughs> no one has fun doing that with an 80 pound. I don't want to go home. No. Like, I just feel like this fuck trying to do anything with my hands. I feel like 40. It feels like it's too vertical at that point. <laughs> 40 pounds, I think, is a cutoff for, like, any realistic technical climbing. <sighs> like, alpinists that do, like, steep vertical mm -hmm. faces, their, their packs are 35, 40 pounds. I mean, it's, it's physically, it's just anti-gravity. Yeah. Remember, it's like super gravity or whatever. You can't. It's you just pulling like, on you so yeah, hard. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's an exception if you're like aid climbing where you're like hanging on the Oh, gear yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're doing all this hauling. But if you're like up there hanging on your ice tools or your fingers, your mm -hmm. pack's got to be like the whole game is ultra light. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of the lightest, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but the whole like, I'm going to go hunting and I'm going to have, you know, 
lots of shit plus lots of meat, that's a different kind of like, no. Yeah, the yeah. whole terrain has to adjust because you're just right. Yeah, it's yeah. If we got to bring ropes to, on the mm. yeah, anytime anybody starts talking about ropes, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, like, there's no no roping. I'm not roping down. Those are no fun when you no, gotta no, bring no. the rope. No. Yeah, I don't yeah. want. Anytime and anybody says ropes, I'm like, psh, and psh, you're bringing psh. ropes without harnesses, right? So, oh yeah, you're yeah, just yeah. Like, tying yourself off. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like if you're like unless you're trained, like Eric or folks that go to the rock gym. We're not that's not entirely true. Well, but we're none of. I mean, me personally, I'm yeah. not like it's all okay. Relative, so now we have ropes, so I feel safer now. Okay, I don't know how to fucking use the ropes. I don't know how to tie off. Right, I'm not like rappelling down. And, yeah, you know we have I'm an expression just, which is if you don't know a knot, tie a lot. Oh yeah, the, the a lot knot. knot. Yeah. The a lot knot. Yeah, yeah. dude. So wrap the, that around you. Do you feel like it's not going anywhere? Pound for pound, the world's greatest knot yeah. ever invented. Yeah. Yeah. I need to make the t-shirt. Yeah, you got to. You just got to know a few things. Giant, the wadded up multi knot thing. (laughs) We try not to swear sometimes in public, so we would call that a Charlie Foxtrot. Charlie Foxtrot. It's a clusterfuck. When's the uh, indoor ice climbing gonna start, dude? I'm I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm working on it. I want to start by farming outside ice, but just on the side of the building. Ah, yeah. But then I gotta, you know. When when I asked you, you know, eight years ago, if you wanted to invest in a rock gym with your life savings, and you're like, don't worry, we're not going to do any ice climbing. And then all of a sudden, Eric's like, let's farm some ice. You got to get, yeah, you know, tweak some things and yeah. corporate agreement and all that mm. kind of stuff. Sure, yeah. for sure. Liability insurance upgrade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you have to improve coverage. some structural on the building for that? You probably would, but the building itself was so overbuilt for the wall structure mm. there's like an entire i-beam framework inside of the normal building that's mm-hmm. just meant to bear the load of the okay. structure so yeah oh wow yeah. so it's for the future well no it was like that whole shell was custom built and they just you know the company i used to work for was like okay here's the working loads of this structure and then it's engineered to basically just not bear on the building structure so it all just kind of has its mm-hmm. own hold it independently support, independent yeah. work yeah yeah What's that gym's, I guess, uh, class versus the rest of North America's rock gyms, given that it's relatively new? So it really had a like a state-of-the-art approach at building like the ultimate gym. And not to mention, this isn't a gym that's in like Arizona or California or somewhere where like it's a moderate climate. This is a building that has to withstand Alaskan winters. Yeah. Freeze, thaws, shifts. All that is taken into account when building a rock gym, right? You would certainly hope so. Yeah. yeah. Seismic. And that's yeah, actually, just we have so much shit going oh, on. Oh, man, there's good stories there. So, yeah. Oh, God. Um, to kind of pick up on the history, that's an amazing segue. Mm. I said I never wanted to work at a climbing gym again. But then I'm building this gym, and I'm looking around, and I've been in a lot of gyms, and I'm usually in the gyms when they're being built and looking at design elements and having worked at several myself. And you're like, man. That's really smart. That was really well done. And you kind of start realizing the people that have been putting the work into designing and building this place fucking did their homework. Mm-hmm. One of the stories I love is I started working there in March, and the electricians didn't turn on the overhead lights until mid-April. No, 1st of May. They had so much natural light in this building. Mm. Oh, sweet. We didn't know the lights weren't on. Yeah, they had all these rad. solar tubes. You know, magnify the sunlight. Mm-hmm. Oh. And literally, the day they turned the lights on, the entire crew went, the lights haven't been on? 
<laughs> like that's how much natural light's in this building. And one of the yeah. big complaints with climbing gyms is they're like dungeons. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. Tie uh, in the Alaska factor. They're like, we got east light. We got south light. I mean, it's just sitting there just taking yeah. it all day long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's like things like that where you're like, holy shit, they really thought about this. And so uh, that was when I kind of was like, well, maybe I don't want to work at a climbing gym. I want to work at this climbing gym. Yeah. They could have built a shithole. It's in Anchorage. There's no competition. Sure. Saved a lot of money. I mean, it's a $10 million <coughs> facility all said and done when you're like. Yeah, it's pretty incredible towering there yeah. um, in Midtown when you drive by it on the Surat Highway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the location's perfect, everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, it became more about like, these people know what they're doing and they're good people to work for. And, and consequently, I've learned a lot about business and management, you know, so that's kind of a weird big boy job that I never really yeah. wanted or thought I'd have. Definitely did not think the climbing gym industry was one that would be a, a long-term, like potentially multi-decade yeah. <laughs> career path. But yeah. every, every year I'm like, ah, I think this is my last year. They're like, well, here's more, you know, real world responsibility. Here's more money. Here's more, all of the things that we all want in our careers right. that like normally you wouldn't associate with like working in a climbing gym. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like responsible for helping like integrate new HR platforms, which is like overhauling the company or like, let's get an IRA going for our employee. I mean, like these like real world, like how to manage a business situations. Mm -hmm. I actually very little to do with climbing at the end of the day anymore. I mean, I do, but I'm yeah. also looking at P&Ls and, yeah. and all that mm -hmm. kind of shit. Brandon's favorite. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I, I was thinking about that. You know, this, this became now a well-rounded career path in terms of your passion for the climbing part mm -hmm. building gyms and now you're managing people yeah in a really cool unique culture that is climbing this isn't like corporate america pnl business management american business is american business right but right. this is like a a niche thing sure. right like it feels like it to me yeah like yeah. i mean you 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 know the business stuff is what it is but you're you're doing what you love to do yeah while in the process of running a business without having to deal with the overhead of owning it. Yep. It's a cool balance you got. Yeah, I mean, I am ultimately responsible for a lot of other people's money. And, sure, you know, sure. And they but, rely on you to, to yeah. do that. And to be fair, I'm not the general manager yet. Yeah. But it would appear to be that that is the master plan that my boss will retire in the next, like, probably 12 months. But then, you're working closely with... That's oh, something you want? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole, I think, exciting thing here is is, like, you know... You keep doing the thing, you're like, oh, they're fucking talking to me still. Oh, yeah. All right. You know, <laughs> like really didn't think that I'd have, you know, it's a 2.5 to $3 million a year business with 80 to 100 employees. I mean, you know, predicated on a risky activity. It's kind of fun to figure out how to How like, many folks work there? You need all the kids through, through the season? And, and No, like at any one time, like in peak seasons, we'll be bumping around with a payroll, like 90 employees. Wow. wow. Yeah. Because we have a lot of kids oh, that'll work like a couple shifts or a couple hours. Oh, mm -hmm. sure. You got a full nighttime janitorial staff. We've got, you know, just, yeah, it takes a lot of people. I mean, even when we're like kind of lean summer operations, we're probably in the high 60s to low 70s. There's a ton of people wow. in there when we're in there for like the kids climbing sessions. Yeah. I mean, it's wow. like, what do you have? Like two coaches for every like four or six kids? Yeah. We try to have a three to one ratio. Three to one. Yeah. Yeah depending on the age group. And, you know, and I employ like five yoga teachers and like three personal trainers and manager yeah. to manage those people. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. The whole thing. No, so that's great. It's cool. It's wild. It's like a whole new skill set of things that I'd never thought I'd have to like figure oh, out. Yeah. yeah. So 
the kids thing is awesome yeah i mean just like yeah when my son had just had his birthday it's like what do you want to do and the rock gym was like one of his two choices that he wanted to go do that's rad man happy to hear that so it's just like it's so cool for the kids that, to just get that experience to get out there just another yeah. awesome thing especially you could do in the winter time yeah. is that peak season oh yeah yeah you know it's funny is like at the end of the day we're just a fitness facility mm. you know and guess which day of the year the average like normal gym is the busiest second of january yeah second of january and we're exactly the same january 2nd is routinely our busiest day of the year <laughs> yeah. okay it's just like a different activity than like yeah. lifting weights you know yeah yeah which but, you can do in there which is cool yeah yeah, yeah. 2023 i'm gonna start fucking rock climbing oh yeah oh dude all the time yeah memberships skyrocket for like the two months you know and then they die sure. off yeah yeah it's all part of like the industry of how sure. people think about fitness you know, patterns yeah. and yeah fitness this virtual tour that we have up here—you guys is like so doing shit behind my back? Yeah, no, yeah. we just have the picture up there. Yeah, nice. we were looking. Yeah, at this, this thing is so cool, in. dude. And this is before Google Earth or Google had their cameras. This was like a specialty company doing like. Yeah, this is before Google did everything. Yeah, this thing is cool. Like we showed all the students this video like before we went there, and like kind of give them the heads up. This is where we're gonna be. The bouldering upstairs is really cool. And the, the culture of the bouldering, it seems pretty rad. I'm, I'm not a boulderer, but just like watching like the people come up and think about what they're going to do and kind of like map it out. They don't care if the people are watching them and they're kind of pulling the moves on the ground, you know, in their head and then they go do it or attempt to do it. Attempt is the word. Yeah. Especially those like, yeah, yeah. The cave. The I cave. will say I am also not a boulderer, but I think you're right. There is, you know, I'll, People ask me, are you a boulderer? Are you this? And like, mm. I'm fucking into climbing everything. You know, from a boulder to Denali and everything in between, I'm psyched on it. Okay. You're mm. not afraid to like try new things or do different stuff? No, no. I like it all because it's all ridiculous and kind of awesome. And bouldering, the, the hole that bouldering fills is it's like the total distillation of climbing movement. There's no gear. You know, the wall is short. So it's going to be like four hard moves that mm -hmm. like require you to perform at your absolute best. Like your, where your feet matter, you have to be strong. You have to execute in the right order, you know? So it's totally removed all, you know, all of the extraneous things that become distracting uh -huh. and there is a risk element, but it's not like a, I'm 60 feet up. And if I fuck this up, I die. It's yeah. like, if I blow this, I have to just make sure I fall correctly on the soft pad. And so bouldering has got a cool, yeah it seems like it does. like you move your hips a little bit and it goes or it doesn't go mm -hmm. yeah so that's pretty sweet is this probably the best simulation for the kentucky arkansas georgia rock that you talked about where you're kind of doing the overhanging stuff if you want to like back up and pan to your left oh yeah keep that going one. that would be good but keep going that wall out there that roped wall that would be where you'd want to be Okay, this so here? Oh, yeah, I so see the walk, ropes. Walk gotcha. out to the balcony here if it'll let you on the right. How good do they do? Oh, space. We're in space. Wait, let's go over here, though. Yeah. There you go. Is that for, like, parties and stuff? Is that what that... That's just, like, there? where the, the, the older culture kind of lives. It's like we don't have cubbies up there. So people put their pads or their bags and their, their water and their food up there. Oh, okay. Just yeah. hang out. Yeah, we try to, you know, whole climbing gym vibes about creating a space to... Maybe I'll go back down out. there. Yeah. But that huge yeah. overhanging wall yeah. there is where you would probably want to spend most of your time if you were going to climb in Kentucky or something. Right. Yeah. 
What a beautiful place, man. Oh, it's, it is. I've yeah, awesome, not, not yet gone in that place. You have it? No. Oh, man, you got to go. It's so much yeah. fun. It's so cool. Like, at the end of the first session, Peyton was climbing the wall around the corner here, all the way to the top. It looks so if clean. You, yeah, if you drop down here. I was going to say, this This was like when the gym was literally brand new, and I still think we have a very clean facility, but this looks so fucking squeaky clean. It's, it's <laughs> It doesn't have, like, all noticeable. the shoe yeah, marks and no stuff on the wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is clean, though. It is very, very clean. Yeah, we yeah. are. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's how, very, stays, very clean. How often way. do you guys change the routes up? The route setting thing is a whole cool deal. Um, every gym's a little different, but the way we work is everything's up for about six weeks before it comes down in rotation. Uh-huh. So they'll literally just kind of work their way around the gym, making sure everything's current and like kind of fresh. Uh-huh. And yeah. like the employee of the month gets to pick the new routes? or No, we employ a full-time route setting crew. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, we have like six route setters. And they just get to be creative? It's a really interesting uh, thing, route setting. I was a full-time route setter for two years way back in the day. And it's creative, but it's also like your body kind of works a certain way, you know? Like mm. certain movements do and don't work. Uh -huh. and so there's a whole... It's one of the most skilled trades you've never heard of. Uh -huh. And one of the big things in my industry is like, these people are elite-level athletes. They like can reverse-engineer human movement in the vertical space. And then they're working at height doing like really blue collar physical labor. And you're like, I want to pay you $12 an hour. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. but you shouldn't yeah. because literally they're the chefs. So the analogy I always use mm. is if it's a restaurant, they're the chefs. Yeah. Okay. The whole, the, the, the route they're behind the scenes is the meal. The holds are the ingredients and the route setter is the chef. Yeah. Man. And that's the product you, Brings can, it all you consume. Right. And it's an art form, but it's also like there is a right and a wrong. And it's really hard to train people, and some people get it, and some people don't. Yeah, yeah. Is there like a school you send them to? That's the other thing. Online it's such training, a new industry. It's mm -hmm. definitely like a mentorship. Yeah, just kind of like that's rad. Have to have a YouTube video. Yeah, oh, worry. Oh yeah, <laughs> YouTube it. It's yeah, it's hands on, literally. I was yeah. there when they were changing the routes one time. It's pretty cool to watch them do it. Yeah, my girlfriend and I were bouldering yesterday or the day before, and they were route setting, and she was like, "I'm," I would just sit here and watch these guys work because it's like five people just like putting shit on the wall and trying it and tweaking it. And Do they have like an initial like drawing of what they want it to be? And then they, no, I bet they go it, from bottom up. I bet it's like if your job was to, to design golf courses or ski resorts, you could just try to look at like a mountainside mm. or a, a mm. valley and be like, Oh, I can imagine this and that. And you just mm -hmm. see it. Got it. So if like the goal of the day is to set a V4 on a 30 degree wall and it needs to be purple, you go into the bin of purple holds and you're like, well, what would make this route this great at this, you know, angle? Oh, gotcha. Mm. Depending and, on the shapes of the holes. Yeah, right. And then you, from there you kind of go, okay, how do I make that fun and interesting instead of like a ladder? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So V4, for those that don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just picked a random. So there's some jargon for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's <laughs> taking notes, taking notes. Various disciplines have different grading systems, and uh, the bouldering system is pretty weird. It's literally named after a dude who was like his nickname was the Vermin, the Verm, but he was really into bouldering, and so there was the Verm scale, and it just became the V scale. That's oh cool. shit! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this character, and it goes from what range? 
zero to V. Uh, I'm actually kind of getting left behind. I think there's like a V17 now, which oh, is not wow. comprehensible oh, for me. Wow. On a good day, I climb like V5, V6, just for reference. So I've never mm. touched a V10. Like I can't even get off the ground on a V10. So whatever the hell V17 means. It's V16. such a... Well, I, I think I did a V3. Is V17 like Cliffhanger, That's, the movie type shit? No, that would be like V2. What? Yeah. Oh, come on. Big holds. Big fucking holds. You need to stay in there like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 like casual now. Like team what? kids warm up on that shit. Just free hanging on like 10,000 foot? Well, you got to think well, when I you're mean, up there, there's little tiny little things that are like, you know, yeah. this the big butt, yeah. that you have to like climb from. I just mean taking out the like, he is going to fall, he dies. If you mm-hmm. look at what he's actually hanging on to. It's all good grips. It's all, like, pretty easy movement on good holds. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the game's so elevated now that, like, literally people would go do that on that feature casually. Wow. Yeah. It turns <laughs> out once you train it, like, yeah. pull-ups and hanging on with your arms for long periods of time is actually not that difficult if you train it. Like, to us mortals, it seems crazy. But if you do it enough, you can be like, you know, I know ice climbers that can just dangle from a tool one-armed, and if they get pumped, they just trade. And they'll never fall off because they're like, no, I can literally just sit here all day. Yeah. Because the muscle is just trained to hold and. Yeah. Yeah. On a big feature like that. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, you go up like twice. Donzo. Donzo. Yeah. In the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm very beginner. I've only gone like five times, but even still, you go, you go, dude, just two times up, dude. That's Fuck. it, dude. You're fully yeah. burnt, yeah. just like swollen. You think I'll dislocate your wrists my and your forearms? Yeah, your forearms, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just do the full dislocation again on the finger. You got those calluses. Just getting the grip on. I fucking just launched my finger last Friday. Really? Climbing up in a bait station. Shit was an S. V one. Yeah, it was a V one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Chad had to grab it and just like. Oh, <laughs> do you see how it's all swollen? Yeah, oh, yeah. That doesn't oh, look good, dude. It's fucked. Yeah, it's no good. Should probably have it taped up, but shit'll buff. Shit'll buff. Shit'll buff. That's right. <laughs> After the third dislocation, I'm like, I don't know what taping that's gonna do here. Yeah, no, just let it ride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perma tape to the next finger, man. <laughs> they do got the little things. Yeah, you buy I, Fred Myers. Yeah, just uh, keep uh. bending until it bends again. <laughs> 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 no, just the thought of that, the, the gripping right now. I'm just like, oh god, my finger. Like, it's just. This shit looks just like. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man, dude. So what's Those like are the, the strongest hands ever? The route scale, the V scale for the wall. Yeah, it's called the Yosemite Decimal System, which similarly is ridiculous to the Verm scale in that it wasn't even invented in Yosemite. It was invented in a different area in California. Uh huh. But it's called the Yosemite Decimal System. I'm not sure mm. how that is, but uh, it kind of works like this. You have class one through five. Uh huh. One would, scale. one would be like walking uphill. Four would be like the top part of flat top where you probably should use your hands. Yeah. You maybe you don't need to, but you probably should. Yeah. And then class five has this really random, not random, but it's kind of a funny way to define it is if you fell without a rope, you would die. Okay. Mm. And that's where class five starts. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure if you fell off the top of flat top without a rope, it's a good chance you're going to get real fucked up. Yeah. So you're like, is that fourth class or fifth class? Mm. And there's this kind of nebulous like line between the two. Like, yeah. what, what part of flat top? The flat part on the no the end where the you got to kind of. If you're coming up from town from Glen Alps, like that last like 
50 feet yeah. where you're kind of oh, scrambling through the rocks. Yeah. You know, if you were like coming down the top of flat top and like caught your heel and like tomahawked oh, off the edge of that yeah, thing, okay. you're going to, you're going to, yeah. you're going to leave in a litter, right? Yeah. Oh, it'd be is rough, that, is yeah. that fifth class because of it? Technically, if you fell without a rope, you're going to be severely injured or dead. Well, yeah. Cause you'd fall uh, like 50 feet at least. And then maybe keep going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ugh. Yeah. So Down there's this weird yeah. thing where what fifth class is and isn't is kind of defined by what would happen to you if you fell by death. Yeah. Death is the defining. And so, at a, you know, at the gym, yeah. everything's a five point <laughs> something. Cause if you went up the wall and let go without a rope, you're going to have a bad day. So everything's yeah. a five point something. And that point something is how difficult. Mm-hmm. Oh, 5.6 is like the low end. And there's kind of a history component here where when they invented this system, they were like 5.1, 5.2. But that was so far back when they were climbing in boots and it's like flat top could be 5.2 technically. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we're good enough. We're even like the beginner can climb like 5.6. But when they invented that system, they never thought anyone would climb any harder than 5.9. Mm. It was inconceivable in the 40s, or 50s. Mm. And then all of a sudden people were climbing 5.9 and then 5.9 plus, and they're like, well, shit, what do we call this next thing? And so it doesn't make any sense, but it's 5.10. It's 5.10, which uh, is not how decimals fucking work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Only in Yosemite. Only in Yosemite, yeah, yeah exactly. But you have to be a really badass to even uh, just be reaching that. So No, I'd say like in the modern era, if you come into the gym, like a kid might climb up to five, ten plus on their first day if they're like going for it and they're kind of physically fit. It might not be pretty, but they can muscle their way up it. Oh, yeah. And then like five ten to five twelve would be intermediate to low advanced, and then five twelve and up is when it gets kind of real. But if like that's that, like the inverted. Yeah, like uh, let's see. Like can you? Oh, look at here. We got like an eleven plus. Oh yeah. Oh, it's the tags. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And so that's going to be like pretty difficult but not not that bad and i bet if you zoom around you'd probably find some other ones that are graded harder but yeah usually they're going to be steeper and they're going to have really bad holds and they're going to make you make really big moves off of really bad holds i bet if you go to your hard left there's something over there that's gonna so these molds that that you guys use are those like composite doesn't want to let me go forward yeah they're they're urethane okay yeah. yeah, that's a whole other, like, you know, sub-conversation is, like, yeah. the climbing hold industry is totally blowing up. It's, like, there's these people who shape these forms out of foam and then pour them, and yeah. you pay a lot of money. Do a 180 on that. Like a, yeah, yeah. I mean, so you see, like look expensive. up there. So the, that wall right there is the ones, like, the little kids do. Mm-hmm. Like, six, that's, like, the training like, one. Like, six-year-olds go to the top. Yeah. Like, Peyton goes yeah, to the top of that. Casually. Yeah, totally. Paxton yeah. will only go like four holds off and do then jump off. Do you climb all the way down or do you just like jump off and let the rope? Okay, yeah, yeah talk about that. There's the um, auto belay. There you go. Which well, is real quick on the holds, something yeah. that's fun for people to think about is, you know, there are ingredients, right? So they kind of matter. So we buy the good shit and the average route's about $1,000 worth of holds that you're climbing. Oh. Right. Materials right. The materials to build material, the holds. Yeah, of our purchasing of the holds. So mm. Made in America? Um, or Europe. Okay. Yep. Yeah, these are all small manufacturers. Yeah. So there's probably... Importing in? um, Yeah, I don't think anything is being made in China like the traditional way with plastics. It's all probably either U.S., European, or Japanese made. Mm. Mm. There's a handful of companies that... good quality stuff that you guys are... 
putting on the walls too. Yep. And they yeah. last a long time. You know, it's one of those things where they're figuring out how to make better products. Mm-hmm. So yeah. old holds definitely got polished and newer holds tend to like hold up a little better and they're designing mm-hmm. them in ways to make sure that you, me, the consumer of the buying the hold, mm-hmm. you know, it's like any other industry. I go to trade shows and they're like, our holds hold texture for longer than their holds. And you're like, oh, yeah, no yeah, shit. Great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. like something I would have never thought of when you're talking about rock climbing, but it makes sense. Yeah. Especially yeah. if it's a popular gym that gets used a lot. Yeah. There are some gyms that probably don't, their equipment isn't as rallied. I'd say we're at that point now where just about every climbing gym I've ever been to has noticed an increase in business. Mm. Okay. Every single one of them. Like yeah. It's an, if you build it, they will come. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to the point where people are getting into it as private enterprise who aren't climbers, but they just know that, mm-hmm. you know, if they're, the Alaska Rock Gym is an Alaska S-Corp. We have a group of shareholders. We pay our employees well. We do profit sharing. No, no one's really actually making any money. You know, as a yeah. community service investment. It's like a hobby business. But for people in Southern California who can throw down the money to be a sole, you know, owner and mm. then pay people as little as they can because, you know, it's still a young enough industry that people just want to be a part of it. Right? Yeah, they're willing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those people are making money, but, you know, a lot of us are more community-minded. Yeah. 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 But um, the auto belay. Oh man, the which is really cool. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Scary. It's very scary. I auto blade this morning. What is that? Yeah. So instead of having a human lower you back to the ground, like you were asking. Oh shit! It's a magical mystery box that hangs at the top that you just like huck and pray. You trust? You trust it? It's yeah. tough to trust it. Yeah. It's weird. I always say I'd rather have a fallible human than this like perfectly designed machine. Totally. Yeah. yeah. How, what's the fundamentals of it? You know what's funny is they don't really let you know. Oh, Hold on really? A second. What's it called again? An auto belay. Automatic. Yeah. Yeah. Auto. Have you ever you belay? guys belay? Because belay is the word that we use for a controlled descent low, lowering. Yeah. Okay. You ever Continue. seen like on a a scissor lift? There'll be these little, you know, fall arrest, mm-hmm. and they're retractable. Yeah. It's literally that. Mm. It's just designed. Like somebody was like, wait a minute. Can you make a bigger one of those? Yeah. yeah. And so literally it's just like when enough force is produced on the lanyard, I think, you know, centripetal force forces a braking mechanism out mm-hmm. along a spool of webbing mm-hmm. that, that arrests that webbing's fall to a certain speed, no more. So like no matter how heavy you are, you're going to kind of come down at the same right. rate yeah. of speed based on like the ratio the gears so and that initial that initial let go man it's scary it's, it's a bit of a like little shock yeah yeah because there's a there's a slight delay before yeah, you, the auto belay like mm. kicks in it's like a good oh like your your like your sheer weight it's not like you let go right away and you're, it's tight you know what i'm saying there's like it's got to like catch like you're falling yeah, because oh, yeah. you have to generate enough yeah. force to engage the mechanism mm-hmm. so you drop like two feet so we're talking kind of like almost simplified like a yo-yo like how a yo-yo will like rip itself back up by back spooling is that kind of how the belay is like yeah i give it to you yeah yeah it's like that's a layman term 
No, yeah, because you're pulling that Fucking force out. Shit, yeah, and it's it's spinning the thing, and then I think there's just a braking mechanism that's mm-hmm. spring loaded based off of that centripetal force. But they don't really want you to know, you know. Mm, sure. Yeah. Just trust it. I was like, hey, <laughs> we live in Alaska. Can you just like certify me to be a repair tech so I don't have to ship these down to you every year? Mm. They're like, not happening. No, we're not oh. sharing my secrets. Wow. Is there one company that dominates all those? No, there's a handful. Mm. Yeah. One of them well, uses magnets. I think they're carrying oh. such a burden of like liability. Liability mm. that they don't want yeah. they yeah. want only like the certified of certified fixing right. it and like putting the stamp of approval and shipping it to a gym. Yeah, I I, I totally get it. Yeah. yeah. I mean it holds weight. Big Kyle yeah. was on it, dude. Yeah. Oh. Have you ever had one? That's the they also three, let me build climbing walls that hold the thing that we're talking about. <laughs> okay. You yeah, know, and you're true. like, yeah. you know, you're like, it's not. I mean, it's, I'm sure there's some nuance to it, but at the end of the day, you yeah. got a bunch of dudes in a warehouse in Colorado, like pulling these things apart and putting them back together. It's yeah. Not, it's not mm-hmm. rocket science, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. That was an auto belay. Auto belay. B e l a y e. No e. No, e. no, I looked it up and I googled it. No, no Google's, Google's wrong. wrong. <laughs> oh no e, ah. no e, belay without the e. Belay. So yeah. have you had one fail? Right. There we go. No, no. Oh, good answer. No. <laughs> there's actually Correct. only one recorded. It's kind of weird, actually. There's only one recorded incident of an auto belay failing, and it was at a gym that I used to work at, like ten years after I stopped working there. Oh, and it was a weird three-way lawsuit where it was like we did everything right, no, you didn't. The customers are like, I don't know, you broke my leg. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 But we, yeah. we have a whole, I mean, big part of my job is process. So mm-hmm. people inspect those things every morning. They do a little weight test to make sure they're operating properly. And then our route setting crew goes through and does like a fine tooth comb weekly on them. And then we send them in every year for a factory inspection and redo. Mm. Yeah. It seems so even like when they're they, not broken, they get fixed. Oh, yeah. No, upgraded. I'm like, yeah. and we have this whole thing where maybe I got to like, do some reg- regular maintenance on it, but the two-year factory service isn't due yet. But it's been like a year. I'm like, just do it. Yeah, yeah. So just do it. Every do the whole thing. Yeah. What were you saying, Jack? Well, it, I think like a safety equipment like that usually has a fail safe, so it's like fail on, fail off, and it it probably has a fail off, like so it just shut stops altogether. Yep. When it breaks. Yeah, yeah, and like the whole mechanism that causes it to retract is totally independent of the mechanism that breaks it. Mm. And I think the mm. pure physics, like to go back to the yo-yo, the pure physics of like the falling mass will always cause this like, you know, It'll outward spin to bind up. Yeah. So, like mm. today, in my session, I'm at that point now where like that three foot free fall is kind of fun because mm. you're just like I know exactly where my foot's gonna catch and hit the wall like every time. Oh. I come in. You just start getting used to it. Yeah. But at first, it's absolutely fucking terrifying. So you're used <laughs> to that, like, what? Yeah, oh, yeah. Swing, wham, hit the wall. Yeah, it's not even that. Now it's more just like a no wham. You're like, oh, I'm going to come in right there. Okay. Come down. Okay. Because you're already being lowered. So well, as you let go. Too. Yeah. 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 You but should do it, though. It's fun. Dude, dude, I have a fear for heights. And you know what my fear for heights is the worst? It's in tight spaces. <laughs> like, I feel like the rock gym is all my things. I'll just be like pinging. Let's go. <laughs> so we'll, terrible. What better reason? I mean, I would love to just do it just yeah. to like punch my fear in the face. Well, I would say when you have on. a person belaying you, you don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any It's of that like shit. you just, you're tight the whole time. So you're not going to, you don't get that delayed. Ooh. I will say <sighs> the first time I went to a rock gym, I got like four feet up the little 
slab wall the birthday party kids warm up on <laughs> and i was so absolutely gripped out of my mind that i'm looking back doing the like you got me bro you got me bro. <laughs> and the only reason my buddy who was equally as terrified as i was like pushed through is the chick that was teaching us our belay lesson was really hot and we could not yeah i was like i'm in love with this woman i gotta impress her yeah, we're good we're good <laughs> Oh, it was. You're just freaking out inside. And I, you know, roller coasters and bungee jumped and stuff, and, and yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. ever scared me more than rock climbing. And I kind of chose to punch it in the face yeah. and, and then got it's, addicted to it. Yeah. The thing about climbing that's really weird is you're like continuously choosing to put yourself in more harm's way. Mm. Calculated risk. Well, like well, we're, we're higher, by bungee higher jumping, you're like, okay, I make one act of commitment. Yeah. I choose to jump. And the rest of the decision-making is over. <laughs> the die's yeah. cast. Yeah. This is like, oh, fuck, that was a bad idea. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. And I'm going to continue. And that routinely we have people who, who jump on base, who come in and are like, I jump out of airplanes and I have no problem. And I come here and I'm absolutely terrified because <laughs> they have to continue to make that choice over and over again instead yeah. of just once. Yeah. Yeah. Versus jump off the edge and the rest <laughs> yeah, takes and care good. of itself. Yeah. <laughs> before, before we go to the break, what? Because we had some students who like went halfway and just like full freeze up, refused <laughs> to let go. Like, have there been like what's the protocol there? If someone's like, I'm not letting go. Oh, they just freeze up. Yeah, it's a. I want to relate. You that, send the hot like, girl in. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come one, on. One time, I had a kid that was kind of special needs that I gave private lessons to way back in the day, long before Alaska times, and I believe him to the top. <laughs> And he won't let go. And he's crying and yelling. And and we weren't trained. See, now I train. I don't train, but now I'm, I'm part of a program that makes sure our staff are trained on how to manage this. I do help train that, but it's indirectly in part because of this experience. And so this kid won't let go. And 20 minutes goes by, and he's like holding his own body weight up there, you know, standing up there, screaming. And so I have somebody else take over the belay for me. Mm. so that i can like because i'm the only person he trusts right. and i'm on the rope yeah so that's a whole thing and then i climb up next to him on another rope and for another 20 minutes i'm like trying to talk him and i'd get one hand off the wall and no and both hands are back on and by the end you're just like all right buddy i'm sorry i weigh a buck 80 here we go and you just rip them and go and they freak out for about two seconds and they realize they're gonna live and they're fine. Yeah. And so now... You had to pull them off the wall. Physically bear hugged the kid with my entire body weight. Because the ropes are tight, like he was saying. Yeah. And, like, I'm trying to pull him off, and he's so strong that it was literally like, nope. Oh, you were just dangling on him. I literally just bear hugged him and let go of the wall completely and wrapped him and ripped him off the wall. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so now the training... And I have people who actually understand how to do, like, trauma-informed care with kids. So I... Oh, you know, that's like oh, yeah. legit now. Yeah. yeah. But you so actually try to, you try to get that thing over with sooner. The longer, like I made the mistake of waiting 20 minutes on the ground and waiting. And that just made him worse, worse and worse and worse. And worse. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, if you have to rip them, you do it sooner than later. And then they kind of get that traumatic experience over with. Yeah. And then they're, but in general, it's all about pushing people into that zone of proximal development. If they don't want to let go, they're like too far over the edge. Yeah. So we always encourage people not to like, you know, you got to go to the top. And if the person doesn't want to go to the top, don't <laughs> yeah. let them go to the yeah. top. <laughs> yeah. 
but everyone else work. is. We're like, yeah. you did that. Yeah, to the top. or you're like me, and it took you four or five goes before you got to the top. Mm. But but when you push that envelope at the right amount of discomfort, mm. get a positive outcome. You know, realize that was just fear talking. Yeah, you know, you, it's a lot easier through. than all of a sudden you're at the top and you're in a panic state. Your amygdala takes over, mm. and I have to rip you off the wall. Yeah. You're not yeah. likely to come back. What's the height? Forty-five feet to the top of the wall. It's pretty high. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's scary. We'll be right back. We'll take a quick break. Barney's Sports Chalet, supplying hunters and outdoor enthusiasts with the highest quality gear and equipment since they opened their doors in 1963. Barney's carries exclusive brands such as Alpaca Rafts, Sitka Sims, XO Mountain Gear, Hilleberg, and much more. Barney's prides themselves with keeping a huge stock on hand of various top-of-the-line tents, footwear, sleeping bags, optics, cross-country skis, just to name a few. Barney's is also the exclusive retailer of Montana Knives, Seek Outside, Kafaru, Stone Glacier, and their in-house brand, Frontier Gear of Alaska. Barney's has a superior selection of top-rated boots, sleeping bags, dry bags, mountaineering gear, electronics, and accessories. Need freeze-dried food or mountain snacks? They got that too. Barney's now has an amazing new paperback catalog available for in-store pickup or online order. Visit them today at barneysports.com, or even better, stop by the store in Anchorage at 906 West Northern Lights. If you want the best, there's only one name in the game, Barney's Sports Chalet. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaska public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to engagement with boots on the ground projects from Kotzebue to Ketchikan. BHA performs public land cleanups, hunting and fishing clinics, and community education to help take your game to the next level. BHA's community-minded goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping wild lands wild and fostering the next generation of sportsmen and women for years to come. Make sure to follow BHA Alaska for upcoming events, local brewery pint nights, and more. Stand up for Alaska public lands and waters by supporting the Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Join us today at backcountryhunters.org. The Treehouse AK, your one-stop dispensary located at 341 Boniface Parkway. When you pull up to the Treehouse, you'll notice the beautifully hand-drawn art by Alaska's own Ted Kim. Once you get inside, you're going to see many of the same people that have been there since they opened. The bud tenders know you and what you like and what new product you should be checking out. The store is super clean and the music's always on point. The Treehouse and local owner Josh Boots is a staple in the cannabis culture through his music, community givebacks, and a lifetime desire to bring the people of Alaska the best products available. The Treehouse always has at least 25 strains available, and they're all shown prominently deli-style in clear, openable jars so you can see and smell your options. Other products include edibles, concentrates, vape carts, pre-rolls, flour, dab rigs, and anything else you need, they got it. They also have some pretty sick merchandise for sale. Check out thetreehouseak.com, or better yet, stop by the Treehouse today and get started on their loyalty program. Remember, you must be 21 years of age to enter their store, the Treehouse, where the culture lives. <laughs> I was just looking at Rita's response to my text. I, I texted her a picture of the uh, the new AWAP fanny pack. <laughs> She's pumped. What'd she say? Well, I have a text line that I started. It's called Daddy's Girls because I got two of my daughters have phones and my wife's phone, of course. So I started a, 
a group texting, so we exchanged stuff back and that forth. That picture that you sent me when you're all like posing with it. Yeah. <laughs> My wife says, "Okay, the mean mug <laughs> and the fanny pack." Um, no, <laughs> fanny pack equals soft. <laughs> Well, because if I go out on a Saturday afternoon to lunch or to the mall or something with all my girls, everybody's rocking a Lulu fanny pack across the chest. Yeah. The Stanley Cup that's like nine feet tall. I'm like, really, dude? All wearing the same thing. Uh, all just hair that's way too long. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a special <laughs> special group I, I party with. So you didn't get I, the A-OK for I, that? No, I got the big no on that, so... But Big no. I'm going to bring it. Like, it's going to start getting packed. Yeah, that'd be good for I don't some. know exactly what I'm going to put in there. It's kind of small. Where's this fanny pack you're looking at? It's, uh, I got it over on the edge. Um, we have oh. these guys from... Uh, pull, pull it up on the screen, Daniel. Let's show it. Let's, let's get an approval. There's my... I approve. It's from uh, Sagebrush Dry. They make, like, um, really, really sage good... Sage Dry Brush, yeah. Sa- 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 yeah. Sage, no. Dry Brush. Is it? I thought it was sagebrush dry. Sagebrush dry. It's a sagebrush yeah. dry yeah. gear. Yes. Anyway, dry well, they make like really, backpack. really, really, really good submersible um, water gear, backpacks and duffel oh, nice. bags. And That's they're awesome. all from Cake, Alaska. And so he made us a special camera bag, which was, this is not the normal material they use. They use like a, some other shit, um, water bag stuff. But he's like, I gave him some extra patches and he gave us some extra stuff with some of this other material. That looks like the X-Pack material. Um Obviously not submersible with that zipper on there, but they make. If you haven't checked out their stuff, if you do any water stuff, man, they all made in Alaska. That's so down cool. in cake. It's just amazing. Their water bags, backpacks, duffel bags, just six, six, six. They're duffel. just getting started too. Well, even just for travel, I mean, if you just want to pack some heavy duty gear in in a good dry yeah. bag, yeah. I mean, God forbid it, like you know, in and out of the airport, but then it gets thrown in the back of a truck or just. Anything. It's just real rugged, big, large duffel bags. Hold haul a lot of gear. I'm all about having lots of huge duffel bags. So <laughs> that's right, man. That's right. Yeah, and I love yeah. local Alaska makers, and I think I think sewing is actually a really fucking cool thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They do yeah, all their sewing. Cool. So here, here's their stuff up here. I think that's a climber's thing. Like so they do like the water test. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. like literally my harness is sewn together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I need that shit to work. Yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, like their, really cool. there's their duffels there. Sick. Yeah, all made, you know, where yeah. it rains every day. Gun, gun scabbards. Yeah, salt, southeast. Yeah. If it can Lifetime warranty, you know, gun oh, scabbards. Those things are rad. Things like that with the T-zip stuff that they get special from. There's their uh, duffel the duffels, the big ones. The cavern has the double zippers. I ended up getting one of those. So really, really nice. Yeah, I seen yeah. Jeff came in. He, he dropped one of those in the back of my truck when I picked him up from the airport, and I was like, "Fucking Southeast boys supporting each other." Man. Yeah, yeah, man, they have good, good shit. But he had all he had his his whole shit in there. I mm-hmm. mean, I I couldn't believe how much he put in that. So we ended up getting one of these for our camera bag, and it has like a little insert, so it's 100 percent waterproof. It'll float if it falls in the water or whatever, and it has like padding and stuff on the inside to protect your drone or whatever you got. They need to do one of these and then put. Some like uh, quiet on, know, oh, like on the outside on the outside, yeah, or something? like the fleece. So like, yeah, and, I mean. and they're building this stuff in Cake, Alaska. Yeah, different colors. Yeah, that's that's what's red. wild. And you have to listen to the pod. We had such a good time with them. 
Like that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Bike. And they'll yeah. specially make anything for you. And so this is just, I mean, you can see he's with the backpack as like a floating device with all your shit in there. So we're 100% supporting these guys. Yeah. Good yeah, stuff. Absolutely. That's rad. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. Really well made. Can I give a shout out to a maker buddy of mine? Yeah, for sure. Check out oh, please do. Multi-stitch. It's a climber pun. Okay. So just keep making a bunch of fucking noise for you guys. I'm sorry. Mul- multi-stitch? <laughs> yeah, so a type of climbing would be multi-pitch, where you mul- climb multiple rope lengths. And Ethan's kind of doing bike bags. And, and Which one? Is it multi-stitch sewing? Yeah. Is he up here? Yeah, he's he actually okay. works at the gym. He's a trainer at the gym. And... uh Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah he's making that's bike awesome. bags. Oh, look at that! Yeah, and oh, then cool. But that's cool is because he makes packs. Like his main deal is making packs, and those are all the scraps, so he's not wasting anything. Yeah, mm. yeah. So he makes ah. these custom designed packs, and he'll he'll go to the market and he'll measure your bike and then make you a bike bag. Yeah. Oh, that's bag. really cool, man. That's so cool to see yeah, people doing stuff like that. That's yeah. the screw cannon. I need. I was like, I need something to put like twenty ice screws in. And he, ah. he like looked at a photo and then made that. Man, what a badass. That's not a beer thing? It could be. But it'll also <laughs> hold dry screws. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Dude, I bet he could make a mean ass set of gators or something. Mm. Oh, yeah. He oh, would love yeah. that. He would love that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, look, because you're using the same kind of straps there. Yeah. Yeah, and he gets all like different recycled fabrics and. Yeah. Multi stitch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Following. Cool. Following yeah. them. Shout out to those boys. That's they cool. Get- that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. Any, anyone in who makes their own stuff like that in Alaska is pretty cool. You, you know what I'm looking for that I really want is I put this roof rack um, configuration on the top of my side by side. It's like maybe four long by four by four, and, no? No, like two and a half, three ish wide. And what I want to put up there is a bag that like straps into the bars. Mm. Of the rack yeah. on the sides and the bottom, and then I can just load it with gear, and then it all just Close gets it up. fucking zipped up mm-hmm. corner yeah. to corner in there. Yeah. It'll have to be pretty strategic. You have to be careful with weight. And it's almost like you, you see the tent, the tent bags on top of trucks, but oh, without the right. tent inside. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Bingo. I bet Ethan would be psyched to try to make that because he'd find some crazy fabric. Okay. You know, it probably wouldn't be super cheap, but he would like... Maybe, maybe totally for Grins, custom. man. Put me, put me in contact with him and let me send him some photos and just talk yeah. about it. Because I, I, I'm going to use it for the first time this weekend. And I think we're going to get lucky and uh, we're going to get good weather. And so... does look like I'm that. thinking about stuff that I'm going to put up there because I'm going to actually... I'm going to pull my wagon with my four-wheeler and then my, my wife and kids are all going to ride in the side-by-side with no trailer. So I'm going to have to put gear inside and on top. But I don't want to make it all top-heavy and mm-hmm. weird. I just want to put shit up mm-hmm. there that makes sense. Yeah, like but high. I'm going to haul the, st- the heavy shit. Yeah. And so I'm, like, looking at my gear in the in the garage, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, fuck, dude, there's just only so many things that I think should go up there. Sleep bags and shit. Yeah, but if I had something like that where I didn't have to have the big dry bags and, it, and like, sleeping bags and the lighter stuff could pack up there nice and flat-ish... Mm-hmm. Yep. It'd be cool maybe, if it maybe. went like way up high and it came to a seam, so then you could just roll top oh, of so, stuff. So, right, so yeah. the rack is like this tall. Mm-hmm. Just make and it. And like, I'm thinking like double that, mm-hmm. and then it's just flat. So everything goes in that. S- well, no, I'm saying you open that big zipper and you stuff everything in there, just like really, really Tetris, like intricate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's all spread out real nice, and then 
zip it. That way, like, there is no big Cabela's dry bags or big dry bags that I normally have. Mm. Yeah. Right? This is before yeah. all these badass dry bag makers have come out. I still have my old bags. and But I could put the sleeping bags and sleeping pads and all that shit up there, yep. which is massive. It all takes up a lot of space. But if it was all tucked up in there and I could just zip it up, then I could just crawl up there real quick when we get to camp and just whoop, 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 yeah. toss it out. Yeah. That would be awesome. That and it would be like dry. It. Yep. Which is the big thing. Yeah. yeah. Probably figure out. And he's like brilliant at thinking about design things you never thought about. Man. Like, cool. what about this? Like, I never even thought about, about the that. geek out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good yeah. idea. I, like I bet that's a probably pretty good business, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got a lot of people got side by sides. And need to or, I mean, solutions. it would be great for anybody with a cargo rack on top of their vehicle, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure some people are making them, but just something that's. Super dependable with really good zippers that can handle cold, hot, dry. The shit's got to sit out in the sun. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's something that's going to take a, an Alaskan beating. Mm-hmm. Yep. You yeah, know? And if he doesn't have it, he knows how to, like, source all that stuff. And yeah. All yeah. Right. You don't want to just go with the classic blue tarp with you a bunch know, of bunchy cords? I, and then trash bags inside that. Mm-hmm. The cars bags. I mean, that's... Tried and true, right? Oh, <laughs> heft, hefty in the uh, the uh, the good, better, best tarp rating. You guys, yeah. <laughs> you ever see those with the tarps? No. You guys don't know about that? No. Uh-uh. Oh, I, d- I do. Okay. I do. All right. So first off, you go to AIH, Alaska Industrial Hardware. Mm-hmm. That store is amazing. See if they just come on as a sponsor. Yep. Come on. Wink, AIH. wink, mm-hmm. wink, wink. Uh, their tent department or their aisle, tent aisle, has good best or good better best on the thickness of the mill thickness of the tarp so you can get like the thin like eh, the mid-range yeah shy town or you can go all the way to new york and get the fucking like 12 mil or something just super thick fucking really yeah so Hmm. you can get like a shitty tarp to a really good tarp yeah and i get both i get like the thick ones for camp set up and canopies or anything rugged, but then I also get the thin ones that are quick, unpack, throw a moose quarter or something on it. Yeah. It's a one-time use. Yeah. You know what I mean? It gets all bloody and stinky, mm. and you end up throwing it out. But okay. pro, pro tip on tarp purchases. There you go. All right. I'm sure we, Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah. Let's, 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 <laughs> let's get to Denali. Yeah. Eric just did something super rad. We touched on it earlier. We did. Yeah. So. Pumped the brakes. What was the original purpose planning design whatever you want to call it behind this adventure uh all right it is a program whereby the denali national park south district which is responsible for the climbing uses volunteers to facilitate their climbing rangers to move around the mountain to protect the mountain from the people and the people from the mountain a funny anecdote that I heard once that I think is worth sharing is, side note, there are climbing rangers in like probably 10 or 12 national parks where there's enough climbing happening that the National Park Service, you know, the Department of Interior is like, we need a professional. Denali has those. So instead of in Yosemite where they're going to go climb granite and Denali, you have to go climb Denali. But because you're traveling on a glacier, you need people in your rope team in order to move around because if you fall in a crevasse, your buddies are what prevent you from going all the way in. Oh. But if they were to hire enough climbing rangers to do that, they'd need like 30, you know, 
seasonal rangers, mm. which is incredibly cost prohibitive. Mm. So side note, a ranger buddy of mine who's a climbing ranger was at a conference once where they had like a round table about, you know, volunteers in our national parks. And they're like, all right, Yosemite, what do your volunteers do? They make sure people park in the right parking lot. And what, okay, Yellowstone, what do your volunteers do? Like, oh, they pick up trash, you know? Okay, Denali, what do your volunteers do? And it's like, you know, they spend a lot of time underneath the moving rotor disc of a helicopter doing technical rope search and rescue work, traveling on a glaciated, you know, terrain in negative 20 temperatures, doing primary care and first response. And the room was just like, (laughs) 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 yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. And so the... Denali Rescue Volunteers is a nonprofit that helps fund the getting and getting some equipment to the volunteers who have the appropriate skills to spend a month walking up the mountain with their climbing ranger. Mm. And so the National Park has probably anywhere from one to four rangers climbing the mountain at all times Mm. and parading up. So you leave base camp, you get to camp one, Maybe you get to camp two, you relieve the ranger from camp two, and his team moves up to camp three. They come down. You go, you know, so it's this whole orchestrated thing where everybody's kind of climbing the mountain a week apart. Mm. And then that way, you've got people, like, acclimated and all over the mountain so that at any point, if you need to respond, you got maybe a team of rangers and volunteers below and a team above. Mm. So... It happens all the time that, like, it's not flyable at 14 camp, but it's flyable at 11 camp, and the person's kind of halfway between. And so mm. you have a toss-up of to go up and bring them down or to go down and bring them up. So, but anyway, so you kind of are part of this team that's literally out there so that when people, you know, get in trouble, you're there to do everything you can. You know, either it's first, first aid or, you know, they fell in a crevasse and you're pulling them out. Sometimes it's body recovery. Mm. Sometimes they're shooting where they're not supposed to shit, and you got to remind them oh, how that works yeah. up there. How does that work up there? It's the Clean Mountain Can Program, CMC, or the Deuce Matron 5000. <laughs> <laughs> it's a green bucket. It's got a nice flare at the top. Oh. It's probably about eight inches in diameter. And they're super burly, like you couldn't break them. You could drop them out of a fucking airplane. You wouldn't break them. Screw top lid, webbing enclosure that buckles around the lid, and then you shit in a compostable bag that is stored Mm. inside that bucket. Mm. Mm. And you, as a ranger and representative of the government, you carry all your shit off with you or have it flown off by the helicopter if you're lucky enough that they're doing resupplies and taking trash off the mountain. Guided companies... Most of them, their concession contract is that they have to carry the waste off the mountain. Mm. Then a handful of companies paid extra money so that they could throw their shit in one specific crevasse. Oh. Yeah. Poopville? Yeah. The bottomless pit? It's the poop crevasse. The poop crevasse. Yeah, literally is outside of 14 camp. And private private climbers can do this. Because really the Park Service realized if they don't provide a way for people to carry literally the tens of pounds of your own shit that you end up carrying off the mountain. Yeah. Like they're just going to do something inappropriate with it anyway. Mm. Yeah. So they kind of found one crevasse. It's like high enough up on the glacier 
by the time it hits the you know the watershed, it's been probably quite some time, mm. and hopefully at volumes at such that they're not you know damaging the water at the toe of the glacier. Oh, I feel like it's safe to say it's not. Yeah, you'd be surprised when you've got <coughs> twelve hundred people every year. Oh. They actually did find E. coli at the toe of the Cahilton Glacier. Oh. Yeah, because there's not enough microbiome up in there to, mm. oh, to break clean it anything up. down. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so. Mm. but So they've done a study on that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that was the Clean Mountain Clan? Clean, clean Mountain Can. Clean Mountain Can. Yep. And that, I think that <laughs> started in the early 2000s. I could be wrong about that. I remember Dana touched on that. Like the whole etiquette yeah. with the whole, you just don't, because the shit doesn't just right. disintegrate. It no. it freezes and then it's it just frozen there. feces. Yeah. Yeah. Last year I climbed a route on the Moose's Tooth. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty vertical ice route. And somebody obviously had to shit at one of the belays. And like, you're kind of hanging there. Like, where are there space to hang there? And like, literally there's just like a month old Duke. Just oh. <laughs> that you're like navigating around and like repelling past. Yeah. Cause it's not going to go anywhere. It's frozen. Yeah. Yeah. It's like streaked down the ice, you know? Damn. Yeah. Man, it never yeah. goes away. It's no. a new hold. Yeah. And so if 1200 people <laughs> did that one to three times a day, yeah. you know, for oh, a season, you get pretty nasty. Yeah. And you know, you get people who do the seven summits and they've been all over the Himalaya and shit. And they're like, this is the cleanest of the seven summits by far. Oh, oh really? Because yeah. the other mountains are just all. wild west and nasty. Yeah, yeah. There's like you know corpses, oxygen bottles, and shit everywhere. And yeah, here yeah. it's like you know the park service actually works pretty hard to try to yeah you know, keep it cleaned up. Yeah. Are there some bodies still up there? Or? There are definitely a couple spots where you're like, yeah, there's definitely probably still somebody over there. They're usually from early expeditions. Mm. Like there's a little sub peak between the north and the south summits called Archdeacon's Tower, and uh, a ranger that I believe it's like yeah we never never found the body of the archdeacon and he kind of died at the cliff below that tower Uh, so strong chance he's still there yeah they're just unrecoverable Mm -hmm. yeah and then people who do fall in crevasses not all those bodies are recoverable and so you know it's probably slowly being swept down the mountain underneath like some subglacial river but yeah so yeah because it freezes yeah, and like the the glacier yeah. will lock up, and then there's times of year when there's lots of water flowing underneath it, and all kinds of stuff. Mm. Yeah, can they put any like bacteria to break it down in the poop poop bags? I don't know. That's an interesting idea. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's what we use when we're like on the Golcana. Mm, the little powder stuff. They in have it. yeah, that agent's like a coagulifying. Yeah, coag- coagulant. Coagulant, yep. but oh, I think it also has like some sort of like bacteria that breaks it down in that's the bag. Cool. I think part of it, too, is, like, the ambient air temperature at 14 camp for, like, the two weeks I was there didn't get above negative 20. Yeah. And, yeah, that kind of stuff, it's like an exothermic reaction that would be so slow. Yeah. It's probably a 1,000 years versus, like, right. a day, you yeah. know? Right. Were most of the volunteers all at that 14? That is, like, the goal of the trip is not even to really to summit when you do this uh, volunteer and park program. It's to get to 14 where, um, oddly enough, when we came back down, we were back at base camp, and you feel like you're you're slumming it. I mean, 14 camp sits at 14,200 feet, mm-hmm. and yet you've got a med tent, you've got a mess tent, you've got a comms tent, mm. 
got some solar. We had Starlinks. We had we had internet. I mean, I was texting my girlfriend every day. You That's know. cool. Yeah, it's pretty wild to be up there with the park service infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's like you know, I will say it's you're still on Denali, but it's about as cush as Denali can get. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you spend the majority of your time there because that's kind of the epicenter of all the activity and that's when the climbing starts getting a little more technical and people are more likely to, to hurt themselves and mm. make bad choices and yeah. push for the summit when they shouldn't. More need for assistance mm. of some kind. Yeah, and you're closer to, to provide that assistance. Yeah, and you know, 14,000 feet, it takes you a while to get used to living there, but there's a camp at 17,000 feet and you just don't, no one really likes being there. You know, it's, it's too... Yeah, you, you're not recovering and you're decaying. Mm. Is that the one where you get really sick and... Everybody's different, you know? Like, oh, like uh, some people just hit certain elevations and kind of shut down. Most people, if you go slowly enough, can hang out at 14,000 feet, but they're going to feel sh like shit for a week at yeah. least. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually you kind of start being able to, you know, you'd like stand up and go from one tent to the next and you'd be out of breath. Wow. Yeah. Do they provide um, the tents and all that stuff, or you got to bring your own your own bag, your own sleeping bag, your own personal kit? It's all like our own, but um, they do provide like the tents, the food, and you know if I wanted, they could have given me all of the climbing equipment I needed. Yeah, big surprise! I have nicer shit than the government. <laughs> so oh, yeah, so yeah. I'm not surprised. You know, yeah, yeah. 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 well, it's all personalized too, right? To your yeah liking and you, what you've. Yeah, anytime that anybody loves gear, right? You get good gear, you get better gear, now you got the best gear. Yep, yep. You know? It's like anything where you've got your preference, and it's just a preference mm -hmm. probably at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So these yeah. tents that they provide, are they already set up for you at each spot? No? No. You guys no. are carrying them? Yep. Yeah, you're carrying them. And um, if you're really lucky at some of the higher camps, somebody will set them up at the beginning of the season, and then you just kind of pass them hand-to-hand -hand as uh -huh. you leave each other, but the timing's got to work out like just perfect right. right where they're like all right we're ready to go you show up high five eat a meal and then we're heading down because the weather's good and then we're ready okay bring some more. fresh meat up here exactly but other than that <clears throat> usually you're kind of like you know you're still climbing denali yeah yeah, yeah. what's the tent that, you, that they use um the park service likes using mountain hardware t4s triangle fours mm. or these like bomber hilberg tents mm. kind of a long capsule style mm -hmm. right yeah what do you like personally? You know, I mean, I'm kind of indoctrinated because I've been part of the program for a while and gone back a number of times. And so almost all of my experiences on Denali itself and about half of them going into the range to climb in general have been with like some buddies and some mentors. So I'm familiar with those tents. I can put them up really quickly. Yeah. Uh, I think Nemo makes good tents and I think Hilberg makes some of the best tents for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But... I'm actually, you know, fortunate enough in that all my partners either own one. So, yeah. truth be told, I don't actually have a proper four-season, like, high-altitude mountaineering. I do have a small one for, like, a little bivy ledge with you and one other person. But as far as the, like, expedition status where we're going to spread out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like it's a, a six, hole in my like resume. a six, seven-pounder yeah. that you got to haul around. Yeah. Yeah, something mm -hmm. that's going to be able to, you know, take 40 to 50 sustained winds yeah. and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Right. What about your sleeping bag? Uh, on this trip, I rocked a Western Mountaineering negative thirty bag with like hydrophobic down. Nice. Yeah. That keep you warm enough? Yeah. There's a couple <laughs> nights where you know, you guys know this. It's like the ratings. You won't die. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing about being comfortable. That yeah, negative yeah. 30 means, you, you know, you know, thermogenesis is going to continue, right? Like we're yeah. going to live. But yeah, uh, there was a couple nights where you, you know it's a little chilly because you like notice that there's like cold out there in, through the bag. Mm-hmm. But it's never particularly cold. I tend to run pretty hot though. Do you wear anything when you're in the sleeping bag? Man, I'm all about less is more. Yeah, I've gone that route. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a t-shirt, t-shirt nineties guy. Yeah. That's the way. Yeah. A couple nights it was really cold. I definitely wore some thermals and some socks. Yeah. But I'm like you. I want my feet. Yeah. Cool. My other bag's got a bottom zip that you can mm. come up. It's oh, dream, you stick your dude. feet out. It's oh. the dream. Damn. What about peeing at night? <laughs> yeah, we have 96 ounces of uh, Nalgene bottles. The, the peasy? The uh, rollable ones. Yeah, the peasy. Mm-hmm. Nice. By the end, you know. You get now that, out. you can just pour out? Yep. Yeah. Well, right. we each camp will have like a little sump where you put okay. like your urine and your dishwater. Mm-hmm. You know, for your own well-being, you like kind of consolidating those things and yeah. keeping it away from everything else. So you usually dig a huge toilet pit mm. put the cmc in one corner and piss over in the other corner mm-hmm. okay and that's your little spot that's your spot yeah, yeah. put up some snow walls and no one else has to see you i mean you're always like there's no you're just like making contact but yeah that yeah kind of, you know yeah right next to people you get pretty pretty intimate yeah oh i mean I probably bet. a lot of things just kind of go out the door a month in the backcountry on a mountain and you know, and half these guys are paramedics. A lot of, a lot of truths. Like the, a couple of the guys were PJs, and so everyone's like, you know, got a little medical training, and yeah. it's all about your ins and outs, man. Because you know, you're on a team, so if you're shitting yourself, I want to know. Yes, it might affect me. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this could yeah. have an impact on everybody here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so everyone knew it. Everyone shits were like the whole time, you know. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. I believe it. Yeah. I'll get synchronized. Yeah, it's real, pretty much, real. dude. Yeah, Deuce yeah. Matron. Yeah. <laughs> Oh shit, he's a ten thirty guy. He had his coffee. Oh, watch yeah, out. Yeah. There goes James. You can't go. You know he's a ten thirty guy. <laughs> was anyone carrying around athletic greens? I was. You were? I was. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 yeah that's Does that help? I'm all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really do uh feel like if you're gonna do any kind of singular supplement, it's it's as close to it's as close to like a one one fur you can get. Yeah, and wanting to stay regular and solid up there, man. Yeah, I think that yeah. would be the ticket. And you're eating like, I mean, I'm pretty into eating meat, but you're eating meat and like processed carbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the cooking? What do they use for that? Generally, you use Whisper Light stoves. Okay, because they're just still the most dependable in cold weather, and you can totally maintenance them top to bottom mm. in the field. Yeah. And, you know, you can get the international ones that basically run on any kind of fuel. But they're running on white gas. And uh, maybe we'll use a reactor for quick hots, you know, doing yeah. just morning coffee and stuff like that. But yeah. The breeze, you called it? The the reactor, the whisper light? No, before that. Whisper light. Yeah, the whisper light. Oh, the whisper light. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's one with the line and the yep. can. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it looks like a lot. Okay. But honestly, there's a reason they're just like. It's kind of like military grade, like you can been just around go forever. Yeah, yeah, we had them forever growing yeah. up. Yeah, we had one in the garage. So yeah, they're a pain in yeah. the ass, but you know you can almost always get it to work. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's still tried and true. And then a fry bake, which again, if I'm going to make a plug for anything, it's a fucking fry bake. Yeah, tell us more about oh, the fry wow. bake. I'm telling you, it's like a bake. cast iron that you. 
that is lightweight. Pull that up uh, on thin. The oh, it's like a thin cast iron. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's made of just like hard steel or what, but. It's super light though. Yeah, it's pretty damn light. There's no handle on a fry big there. That thing. This one? That thing. Yeah, the Knowles one. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you scratch it. Clean it with a fucking Scotch-Brite. No, no. You just like metal spatula and you're mm, done every day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, Jesus. Yeah. So you can burn the bottom on accident and always clean it up. Yep. Enough friction will always get the job done. Yep. The old fryer bake. In stock. Yeah. $113, folks. Yep. Yeah, I want one. Nice. Yep. And it's it, got, it is cast iron. What does it say? It is. It's and it's, it looks like it has yeah, the MSR. Look, look, the MSR whisper, fucking yeah, yeah. It's a fucking it. advertisement for yeah, yeah. Let's see what it says here. Nutritious meals, twenty nine ounces. Shit, temper aluminum. Shit's deep. I thought it was aluminum. I didn't want to commit. Damn, but is there some fucking cinnamon rolls up in that bitch? Yeah, dude, that's the way. Dang, what like that? Oh, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Brandon, your pack's getting hit. The whisper. Yeah. yeah, no that's shit, yeah, dude. I already bring the... You, you can start carrying that up to I the I already bring round. the extra little pot in the... In the oh, I bet it's that little oh, small do? pocket rocket, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh. so Daniel will bring the reactor for making coffee, coffee mm-hmm. meals and everything quick. But I bring the pot as a backup. Oh, yeah. So there's always a you know if his shit goes out I have a way to boil water, mm-hmm. um, but then you can also kind of boil some meat or something in it. Mm-hmm. Like we've cooked grouse and ptarmigan, mm-hmm. uh, sheep meat. I yeah. just cooked just, that right into the in, like the reactor or whatever you know. Uh, the jet we, don't, we don't really cross contaminate. Oh, really? we keep I don't his, like cross contaminate. His shit's yeah. only water. Nothing gets cooked in it other uh, than water, and then mine can be a cesspool. Oh, but man. with that so pocket rocket mm-hmm. too, and that you can kind of like. Do you do you a pocket rocket in a little lightweight pot? Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I do for my backup rig. Yeah. Yep. It's dope. Yeah. Well, that way. And it, you can cook some meat on there. Like, well, a I've yeah. done like, uh, like I'll put simmer. a little splash of water, salt, and then I'll put the meat in there. And then I'll make sure there's like some fat cut off of it. Yeah. Throw it in there. So it's just like this little tiny skim of water. And I'm just like. Psh, 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 psh. Nice. I get the pocket rocket hot. So it's almost like frying. Mm-hmm. All right. But it's not sticking inside my pot really too bad. Yeah. So you can actually have some like meat. Mm, that's cool. It's boiled. Yeah, you could probably just fill so that with oil and just deep fry a chicken thigh up in there. <laughs> <laughs> just drop a whole ptarmigan in there. Just, just uh, like a Dude, uh, no, deep like fried turkey. Some tempura, man. You're doing some like Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I always bring a little bit of coconut oil for my coffee, so like I can cook with that if I need. To. Oh, it's a double, oh. double, double. Okay. Yeah, but just a little bit, you know. It's like you know those like disposable like mm. sriracha cups or something you would get, you know, that little just that full. Okay. I think I might start bringing some lard. Oh, there you go. Uh-huh. Bam. Just thought of it. Yeah. And like a balloon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I better be in something sealed up tight. I know that much. Shit's gonna get greasy quick. So the fry bake, I need that. Yeah, it looks dope. I think yeah, the fry the bake. I've been nice. looking at like the lightweight MSR pans and things, mm. and I've never gotten to that point. And I'm like, man, wouldn't it be nice to just bring a pan where you could like cook some shit? Like a fucking freeze dried meal is great, right? When you're hungry. No, they're not. I mean, it's <laughs> all you got. Teasing, you know? When it's all you got, but I yeah. mean, if you could like yeah. 
get what if you took just there? one of those little egg pans like alexia brings mm-hmm. one that's just like made or she can do two eggs perfectly yeah, yeah. on our camping thing it's just a non-stick it's this big you just break the handle off mm-hmm. and they could use that well, the whole non-stick thing though is like I think an issue. That's the whole idea with the fry bake is like you're never gonna flake off any coating or anything. It's yeah. like you don't have to worry about metal. You just like yeah, yeah. indestructible. Because I always want a nonstick, but I feel like in my camping rig, I'm gonna. Well, you're gonna scrape destroy it. Up. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not yeah. careful enough myself. I feel like. And yeah. I don't know that is there anything nonstick that's really that light. I don't know. I, I do think like MSR and companies make some. Oh shit. yeah, but you could scratch those up enough where an egg will start sticking on it. Oh yeah. Yep. Versus the old fry bake. Well, I mean, the secret to the fry bake too is a lot of butter. You know, yeah. it's it's not a non-stick yeah. surface, so you got to so provide. It's a cast iron. So if one did decide to haul up like a pint of peanut oil, wouldn't be the first person. <laughs> you decided. Oh, you could the, definitely fry. I'm going to do stuff. one fry off. Yeah. And then you just dump it in the fire. When it's all done, right? Well, it depends where you're. I at. mean, if you're having a fire. Yeah. If you're having a fire, you wouldn't really need the, the cooker anyway. All right. We'll it back. Oh, we bring some empanadas. I'm going to start bringing there you fry go. oil and beer from yeah. now on. Fry oil, <laughs> empanadas, and beer. This pack's 95 pounds now. <laughs> well, then you get the chicken and rice, and then you make some fried rice with it. Ooh. There you go. Just dump it right out of the dehydrated bag. And okay. See, now I will say I wasn't hating on, you know, you got what you got on the on the. Yeah, day. I mean, it, when you're hungry, it is actually not bad. But the whole... So the cool thing about a Denali or a winter is you have a heavy pack, but you also have a heavy sled mm. attached. Oh. So you can actually bring quite a bit of weight. So I think we had 100-pound sleds and 50-pound packs. So we... Individually, did, yes. we're all hauling a 100-pound sled. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. You, know, you take a lot of survival gear and you got yeah. all kinds of shit. Well, yeah, you guys are packing all the extra stuff to make sure everybody with a blister and freeze bright, freeze bite, frost bite. Yep. All that shit. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you know, you've got 30 days worth of food on you. Mm. You know, mm. you know, most people. It's a lot. Yeah. What does that look like as far as what you bring? Well, and that's kind of what I was getting at. Is the cool thing about the park service is we don't actually have a full 30 because there's a resupply up at 14. Oh, nice. Mm. So we rolled really heavy, but on good food. Like, right. like we had... Cinnamon rolls and <laughs> yeah. bacon and, and blocks Ooh. of aged cheddar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pizzas with mozzarella and like, mm. and again, a lot of whiskey. And then what else do we have? Whiskey's heavy. Whiskey's heavy. <laughs> you know, for a couple of nights we had some like, we actually had like veggies. Like being, oh. Like, mm. like a pepper. Oh, nice. Yeah. Before they freeze and, and definitely some like, yeah, some good meat. Yeah, we ate, we ate good. Yeah. Yeah. Is Are you guys sharing a tent? Um, on the way up, you are trying to save weight because everyone's rolling so heavy. So you'll rock. We had a five-person team, so we had a two-person and a three-person setup. Okay. And then once you get up to 14, there's a little more infrastructure. Um, you can kind of pair out or, or single out if there's enough tents. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pull up that picture of you in that teepee. Um, yeah, those were terrible. That, that's what you guys use for, like, the cook tent? Or for all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, that would be, um, you could break the whole Park Service patrol trip into two two chapters. The way to 14 camp, and then the way, then after 14 camp. After 14 camp, there's like a mess tent that fits like 12 people. That's mm. like a super big Arctic oven kind of deal. Mm. But as you guys know, the 
the mid or the teepee is like just a pole and some fabric. And so at these lower camps on the way up, you just dig out a bench and a center counter and you just hang out living kind of below the snow surface there mm-hmm. doing all your cooking and eating and any like communal stuff because it's that or the tent you're sleeping in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have really nowhere else to go. Yeah. What are these little things like wind blockers? Yeah. yeah those are like uh, foil wind blockers going around the stoves. Mm. A full pot going on here. Oh, because oh, yeah. even inside the teepee, it, you still have a lot of wind and like suction and oh yeah, stuff like sucking the air in and out. Yeah, we actually have man. You asked for photos of me, but there are so many better photos I have that are not of me that are like yeah, we're actively hanging out reading books and it's just like blizzarding and snowing inside the tent and like accumulating, you know, and it's just like part of life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, how's your uh, trivia game? Pretty bad. Yeah, before before that, real quick, who brought the guitar? My buddy, who was the climbing ranger, he is a bit of a musician. He would undersell himself, but he's pretty good. He was like, dude, I got this carbon fiber guitar that's like meant for cold weather. Yes. <laughs> oh, sweet. The neck comes off with like four Allen, you know, hex head bolts. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can collapse the thing down. He literally just strapped it to the top of his pack and didn't. I mean, oh. like outside in its gig bag in the blizzard, just like outside the tent, like no fucks. And wow, we played it most I nights. I thought for sure it got choppered in. So this picture here, is this at the? That's at 14 camp, yeah. That's the mess tent. Okay. And that's a med tent. Is this a little entry door? Yeah, a little vestibule, a little arctic entry. Wow. And this... Big propane tank. That yeah. thing doesn't freeze up out there? Nope. I mean, you know, we were always fussing with regulators and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they keep a whole host of medications in the med tent that aren't supposed to freeze. So uh, we, we do, uh, we've got, you know, some real legitimate propane needs. It's like a little mini. You're not supposed to say it's a clinic because that's the last thing you want to tell people. But yeah. essentially we're operating with like, you know, some kind of bare essentials. That What's mm-hmm. the burner that's using in there? That's like a, one of those big... Like this... Um, no. that's, that's for the stove for like the cooking. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, for the, for the med tent. Yeah. We have little, like, they're honestly like little units like you'd have in a house, like pilot light and the whole, mm. whole mm. bit. Yeah. Oh, like almost like a buddy heater, but, um, butter. I think it would honestly operate just like your, you know, classic gas furnace would at a house. It's just like this big instead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's like a thermostat and everything. What was this camp called again? That's 14 camp. 14 camp. Yeah. So how big's that surface area up there? To for like 14 camp, like for all the tents and yeah. Honestly, man, if I could like grab my phone, I could just yeah. We'll do it during the break. Yeah, yeah. There's mm-hmm. so many rad photos that would explain all of this. Yeah, that'd be awesome. 14 camp's pretty big, pretty fucking big. It's the Janae Basin, named after a guy named Ray Janae, who was an early pioneer. Mm. And it's like the head of the Kahiltna. You go up some serious hills, and then you get to Janae Basin, which is where 14 Camp is. And it's serious glaciated terrain, but there's this like one section that's pretty crevasse free. Nice, yeah. like a camps. football se- field size. Yeah, maybe even a little bigger. Oh, nice. Yeah, like to the point where when you're walking across camp or going into town, as you call it, <laughs> it's like yeah, you get out of breath. Yeah, all right. Yeah. That's so, cool. so that river that runs around and wraps around and comes out of the front—that is that the? Did you say the Cahiltna Glacier? Yeah, Cahiltna well, river. I don't know as much about rivers as I know about glaciers. To be fair, yeah, um, all the major 
glaciers that I deal with drain off the south side of Denali. And I'm pretty sure there's a Cahiltna River at yeah. the base of the Cahiltna. Oh, absolutely glacier. there yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, hands down. Yeah. And and the Cahiltna glacier starts up at the head of it, sits at around ten or eleven thousand feet. Okay. That's like the accumulation zone and it runs all the way. To, I mean the Cahiltna glacier is like one of the biggest glaciers in the world. Yeah. Let's see if we can pull it up I here. I, I wanna I wish you could show them a view of go. Denali and the Kasugi. Isn't that fucking way? sick? Have you been to Kasugi? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when you're looking at it in that huge valley that wraps around the front, and then that creek that dumps out into the Chuli. Yep. No, what? wrong side of the mountain. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. all That's all like the southeast aspect of Denali. Okay. Which okay. is an incredible aspect to look at. This it's stuff's just so all on massive the, and expansive yeah, right it's there. It's crazy. So that what we're talking about is on the opposite side of the mountain that we're looking at? Yeah, it's back same. that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Kasugi Ridge would be like down over here. <coughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. okay. Oh, so you're looking at this backside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was weird. He was trying to find you. He put the spotter trying on Trying you. to see me up there. Yeah. He put the spotter on you. Trying to spot your bright yellow jacket. I got a buddy who's a pilot, and he was always like, I think my buddy Eric's right there. <laughs> it's like I might not even be on the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> He's at 14 camp, <laughs> yeah. eating cinnamon rolls. So when you climbed it in, in 2019, what was the route that you took? Yeah, it was the West Buttress, which is like the classic, the butt for people who kind of... The West Buttress, the red yeah, line here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's um for the longest time, the mountain was climbed by the north side, which involves like the full on like, you know, dog sled your supplies in in the winter right. use pack mm -hmm. mules and river crossings from wonder lake and this whole deal mm -hmm. and then brad washburn was like well you know we could just land a fucking plane right here yeah and no one had ever really thought about pioneering. did you see his stuff at the um museum the anchorage museum yeah no i didn't get to see that unfortunately i think it's still there yeah we took the kids over there to that's to cool. look at all his all his pictures mm -hmm. and his cameras there and all that stuff Dude, it's, it's awesome yeah yeah what was that doc did you watch that documentary on him? I did, like the climbing photo doc kind of yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah. It's on Alaska Airlines. It was. That's yeah. where I watched it. Yeah. On the airplane because yeah. I couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And so he, he pioneered the West Buttress, which actually starts like way down here and wraps all the way out of out of view. So that's that 14 count. That is a big yeah. area. Yep. That's, oh, yeah. That's the Janae Basin right there. So you're on the glacier until like 10,500 or something? Um. You're still technically on the glacier at 14 too. Okay. Yeah, that's all. That's all pretty glaciated terrain. Like th that right above the mouse is actually a giant crevasse. That like dark area right there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You're not really off the glacier until you get onto that steep slope called the fixed lines, and then up on the 16 ridge leading to okay. Camp Four. Yeah. Because um, now you climb up away from the glacier onto the knife line of yeah. the mountain. Yeah. But even then, like. Alaska gets so much snow that there can be glaciers that are on ridges and yeah. you don't realize there's crevasses up there because they're like peeling off the side of the mountain. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, well, let's take a quick break let's and we'll get the, the trivia going and get those pictures yeah. up here and see if we can. Big Ray's The Alaskan Outfitter. Committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Ray's has the gear you need tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. 
At Big Rage, you'll find brands like Carhartt, Brundins, Darn Tough, FXD, Okiwear, and more. Big Rage is your one-stop shop for both outdoor gear and rugged work attire. Check out their new exclusive line of durable but affordable waders, inspired by and named after the majestic Aralik River in remote western Alaska. The Aralik wader was designed by Alaskans and proven for the diverse waters of the last frontier. Visit Big Rays at any of their five locations statewide, two in Anchorage, two in Fairbanks, one in Kodiak, or check them out online at BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration, helping Alaskans turn disasters into new beginnings since 1972. Their 24-hour services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, and repairs. Tailored built its reputation with years of committed and reliable service to the community with innovative restoration and home remodeling. When you have an unexpected home issue at the most improbable time, Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you anytime, day or night. Tailored Restoration has locations to serve you in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Give them a call at 907-344-1239 or make an appointment today at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and Overlander products. If you want to customize your vehicle, talk to the team at Total Truck where you'll find their expertise along with top brands such as ARE, RSI Smart Caps, Goose Gear, Eye Camper, Front Runner, Rigid Lights, Rhino Lining Bed Liners, and everything you need to outfit your truck or SUV. Want to turn your truck into a sleeping option? They have rooftop tents, custom camping equipment, electronics, and solar energy packages to keep you powered up deep in the backcountry. Stop by their store location on Dowling between the new and old Seward Highway or check them out at TotalTruckAK.com. I want to say thank you to all the new uh, Patreon members. Thank you guys. Um, if you want to support the podcast and you're not a business, you can go to patreon.com slash Alaska Wild Project. Um, you can go to our website, alaskawildproject.com, get yourself a hoodie, get yourself a shirt, um, hat, anything like that, or catch us at some of these events that we'll be doing. Um, I don't think we have any event we're doing until at least after hunting time um, as we're in the full summer swing of things. <coughs> swing of things. Anything else I miss? Upcoming events? Man, I was thinking about that uh, when I was making my agenda today, and I, I think it's just we're just in the heat of summer, and it's tough to commit too much to as many events as we would really like to do. Yeah. Um, we're just in that fast life mode right now. Hard. Hard and fast. Hard and fast. Hard and fast. My favorite way. So yeah. anyone looking to like have an event and that kind of stuff now that we have that expansion at Double Shovel, that's oh, okay. can rent that out. Mm. And that's something we hadn't really been advertising yet, but I wanted to kind of voice it out here because I'm sure it'll get booked up, but uh, it would be great for you know our listeners to get first shot at that. So if anyone's ah. looking to like book a room really for call, an event, um, yeah, at, over at Double Shovel. So let us know. Perfect. Yeah, that's good, man. What time is it, what time can you guys close now? <coughs> or do you have to close? Still eight. It's eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah until the uh, until the first. Yeah. Oh, um, it goes to January. Nine, right? Then it goes to nine. Well, <coughs> yeah, our call is done at nine. Hard close at nine thirty is the rule. Hard so, close at like everyone's out at nine thirty, but I'll call stop. The sale stops at nine for on site. 
I have to say nine is a lot better than eight. Yeah, it was ten, you know, but uh, in in the bill, but yeah, ten's perfect. Yeah, ten is perfect. Ten, ten would be good. <clears throat> Just give eight. everybody ten. Yeah, I mean, ten's a, <clears throat> the house finance enough. committee. I mean, yeah, know, changed it's like, it to nine. I mean nine. I mean you'll take nine because eight just is just just getting started. I mean for me for me it's like there's a lot of parents out there that like can't like me. I I never go to any other breweries unless it's like a training day during the day or a knowledge share because like I'm with my kids, you know. But if it's after bedtime, I could get a babysitter, maybe go, or like you're out on a hike, like you know, get off that hike or a mountain bike ride or whatever until after eight. So it's like kind of like oh well, we don't get a. You know, partake very often. Can we just vote on this as a community? Well, let's do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> you sending me some more? Yeah, I got a couple more coming. Okay. That was a great photo you just had up right there. Yeah, that is. I guess I can keep this expanded. Yeah, I'm like, and that, oh, and man. That's after, that's after January 1, Jack? Yeah. For that? <coughs> okay. Yeah. Where is this right here? This photo. That is at the top of Motorcycle Hill at about 12,000 feet. Damn, someone rode a motorcycle all the way up there? All the way up there. Sweet. Must have been a nasty. Who's my man right here, though? Oh, I'm sorry about that. That's Willie. Willie is the man. Willie is a 10 year long Alaskan PJ. and uh, He looks like the man. He's the man. He, PJ? Yeah, Parajumper. Okay. Yeah, and he, uh, he's like a little he, nose thing. He's the everyman, you know, he fucking ran a sailboat out of Whittier for himself for a while. He fucking can recite Shakespeare, you know, from memory, and, uh, you know, he can patch you up. And, and we did a lot of tent yoga. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, you, oh, you guys got a little cot in there and everything? Yeah, that's that's in the comms tent, so that's kind of like the ranger will sleep near the radio because that thing will pop uh, off 24-7. Mm. Oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah, you don't get a lot of sleep. A little yoga action there. Mm-hmm. It's always good. Ooh. A little practice it's here. Weathery. Oh, look at the camp. So you can kind of see all around. around. Oh, yeah. right. Wow. Is that 14? Yeah, that's 14 camp. Okay. Wow. Look at everything stacked in there. I like those boots. I see a teepee in the background there. You see that? A lot of mids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How long would you be at 14? We were there for like two weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Damn. And a lot that's of that's wait, waiting on weather. Yeah, so there you can see 14 from above. This is us doing... Oh, this is 14. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to step off mic so I can plant it. things. But like, You can take that with you stand up if you want. Oh, what's the, so what's the mountain in the far to the right? Which oh, one is, is that? that Hunter? That right there? Yeah. Yeah, that's Foraker. Oh, okay. Or if you want to be pretty cool and you use the you know, mm. Athabascan names, Sultana. Sultana. Oh, sweet. No, that's not right. Yeah, Sultana. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yep. And then that's Hunter mm. or Bagaya. The son or the child? I think so. I don't actually know what they mean. What about that secondary behind it? Yeah. Those are both two summits of the same peak. Okay. Yeah. That's the north and south summits of Hunter, I believe. I'm sorry if I'm this wrong. This looks like you could just throw on the skis and rip down this thing. It's a lot deeper than it looks, but yeah. yeah, people do ski it. You got some crevasses and some things to dodge there, but people do ski the rescue gully, which comes off of, off of here, comes down. Oh, nice. And then we skied from here on down. And then we also skied over here between these crevasses. You brought skis up? Oh, man. The way to travel is AT skis. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you go back to that photo real quick, I'll show you oh, something. Oh, look at that. The helo coming in. Fucking sick. Yeah. So you start back here. Uh, you come all the way up here. 
and you come around here and you come up through here and then this is we're at the base of what's called the fixed lines which is kind of up to that big ridge mm -hmm. so we're using that's a really skis cool picture too you definitely ski to 14 okay yeah and then you can ski at 14 quite a bit okay yeah and then you just stash them somewhere yeah leave them there and then go to crampons from there out okay Oh, crampons full time after that? Yeah, unless you're going to do one of the big ski lines. Like, people do ski off the summit of Denali. Um, and then there's like some big lines above 14, some like 3,000 foot lines above 14 camp. Wow. That are pretty serious, like no fall, wow. steep skiing. But wow. when it's good, it's good. The best powder I've ever skied is actually at 14 camp. It's like Montana blower, fucking hip deep, just uh -huh. no, no moisture. It's awesome. Oh, just sugar. Oh, awesome. Like like the best kind. Mm. Right. Face shots for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Those are great pictures. Very. What's with the, get the helo again? That is fucking badass, dude. Yeah. Brad, what what's the organization that runs that? Which one? That's the National Park. That's National Park. Yeah, that's the okay. National Park Helo. All right. Is that like a little bubble right there? Yep. Yeah, because they're doing a lot of short lining short hauling so they're like looking out and like plucking people you know oh. oh they need to be able to stick their head out and look down yeah oh yeah wow what'd you call that again yeah that's short hauling is when you basically clip yourself to the bottom of the helicopter and dangle below it so that they oh. can like sling you into cliffs or oh gotcha down to you know like he lowered the basket down like so that's that's when you know you're in trouble mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. all right buddy you gotta crawl in this basket and we're gonna fly you down 3,000 feet in the cold Whew. if you want to live because oh they can't God. even like land the helo to get to you yeah and that's already mm. a risky proposition in itself right yeah if if you're having to even dangle the cage to pick somebody up if you get like a downdraft or the winds dude they have like some of the best rescue pilots in the world that program they're incredible mm. yeah just ice water in their veins dude I mean I don't really know but they're talented at you know yeah being super accurate with those machines yeah so what what's that elevation that that helo can go to i think technically if it had to it could probably dish some weight and 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 go for the summit oh really but because it's super tricked out already with ultralight everything uh -huh. mm -hmm. it can fly to 17 i mean i got last time i was up there we delivered us fresh donuts from talkeetna what yeah wow. like they were doing a supply run and they were just like bakery kilo fly, fly in you know in a 17 yeah. camp do a resupply oh and God, here dude. you go guys you know oh, <laughs> yeah man. that's pretty rad best wow. donut you ever had in your life pretty damn good <laughs> pretty damn good yeah so i know i can fly that high and they can definitely fly a little higher than that when they're doing like ops above 17 camp uh -huh. yeah and I, so i think it, it it's one of those things though where when they're going to 17 they're only taking one passenger and they're being super specific already yeah yeah wow um, Jackie, you ready? Yeah. All right. Let's see what uh, see what we can find here. All right. We have some pretty fun ones, but we have one at the end that is pretty ambiguous, so it should be interesting to uh, hear people's perspectives. All right. So uh, uh, the last one, we we're talking about the Kahiltna Glacier and that it was super big. How long is it? How long is the Cahilton Glacier? Yeah. Top to bottom. 47 miles. Damn, this seems so... You like that? He went exact. big. He went yeah. big. Yeah. Is that yeah. big? That's what, what, is, what is 47 miles would be 
like five portage um, passages, you know, or not portage pass. Is it portage passage into Whittier? What is that called? Portage passage, right? Yeah. Uh, the tunnel. Are, what are you no. talking no, about the, in the when you're coming passage, up that, canal? Oh. passage canal? It'd be a, what that would be a bunch of, you know. Okay, Hilton Glacier is uh, 13 miles long. 13. 23 miles long. 44. Ooh. Oh, yeah. yes. that's job. a monster. That's yeah. huge. That was way was bigger. Thirteen miles. You said one of the biggest in the world. Well, I think it's up there. Yeah, the Cahiltna Glacier is the largest glacier in the park. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It probably doesn't compete with some of the glaciers in the Himalaya. But yeah, it's pretty yeah. fun. Right, yeah. right. But it's still just a monstrosity. Yeah. 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 Okay. Forty. It's big. Okay, so there's a cool climbing feature. In Alaska, it's a it's a wall route, a big wall. What would you big wall, right? So, would you call a big wall? Like, yeah, yeah, big okay. wall. A so big it's wall. A, it's not a mountain; it's a big wall. Okay, got it. It's called the Half Dome of the Arctic. So it's kind of like has like oh, a play shit. off of uh, Yosemite. What is this wall called? And where is it at? I guess because it's if you don't know what it is, these are hard questions. Guys. Yeah. These so questions. Where, where is it at? And then I'll tell you the name. But if you know the name, get extra points the hard wall we're calling this thing it, the half dome of the arctic oh well, yeah, yeah so mm. half dome of the arctic mm. look say it's the uh what's it called and where is it let's see <laughs> let's start that over <laughs> <laughs> getting too intense <laughs> i, you know, I, I kind of just lost myself there I was trying to f find out what like the most popular wall in Alaska was, you know, like mm -hmm. Half Dome or whatever. And I thought it would be like one of these things in the sound, but yeah. it wasn't. Mm. It was this Half Dome of the Arctic. So Half Dome of the Arctic is going to be in the Brooks Range. Yeah, I'm going with Brooks Range. It's in the Brooks Range and it's called Vladimir's Face. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> I, like I, like that. I, I like that. I do. I like that. I like that. Only person to crack myself up. Uh. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, Brooks Range. Hmm. The name of the wall? Pink Floyd. The only thing I can think of that actually exists that I know. Thank you. Is Xanadu. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Xanadu. Yeah. Nice work. It's dude. almost Pink Floyd. I was like, <laughs> basically, it's Vladimir. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Xanadu. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I was kind of onto something. And where is it? It's it's in the Brooks Range. Yeah. It's in the Aragetch. Yeah, the Aragetch. Xanadu Wall. Aragech. Is that yeah. what it's called? The Xanadu Wall? I think just Xanadu. Yeah, Xanadu. Oh, yeah, okay. pull that up. I think Xanadu Wall. Dude, it's actually, gnarly looking. We've got. Really cool photos of those above the front desk at the Alaska Ranch. Oh, you do? Yeah, it's the... Is that how you spell it? it no, it's, it's a, with, with, the X, X, with the X. With the X. So there, there, is, there is no shortage of unbelievable Ooh, climbing in, in Brooks Alaska, Ranch. Huh? Oh, because it is named after oh, something. Xanadu with, this, with the X. It's, Duh. Oops. Okay, there, there it goes. Yeah, there you go. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude, it looks badass. Damn. That's in the Brooks Range? Yeah, there you go. That's a good one to look wow, at. Wow, right where's that bad boy at? Yeah. Wow. That looks like something out of the uh, Rockies. Wow. Or like the, like the Dolomites. That, cool. that kind of looks like the Dolomites. Dolomites. Yeah, there we go. That's that's better. How tall is that some bitch? I think that's like 3,000 feet. Damn. Wow. Is it really? Yeah. Maybe 25. 
Damn, man. It was crazy when I was reading this. Like, there's a lot of famous people that have climbed there. Yep. Like, Tommy Caldwell has come and done some stuff. Yeah. Tommy Caldwell, Hayden Kennedy, Corey Rich, Mm, Crack Hour. Nice. Yeah. Fred Beckley. Becky. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's cool. That's pretty cool. All right, Jackie. That was cool. That was actually really good. All right. So, like, a big thing in the climbing, mountain climbing world is these 48, (coughs) these, uh, um, 14ers you know we were talking about yeah and it's 14K. like uh, above that you get like altitude sickness and stuff so there's a bunch of them um there's 96 in the united states how many of them are in alaska 14ers yeah well, that's a tough one 96 in the u.s mm-hmm. how many are in alaska yeah 13 how, how many total 96 because i feel like the the Rockies have 39 majority of them, and then the California second. I said 13, so 39. I'm gonna go with it's too low. I went too low. Went too no, low. I don't know if you did though. Yeah, kind of. I feel like it was like the Colorado Rockies has got all the fucking narnars. I'm going with nine. Nine, it's 29. Oh, yeah. And Colorado has the most at 53, Alaska second. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's dope. Yep. But I think our 14ers are a little different because oh, yeah. all, most of ours come from sea level or close to sea level. Oh. Where like oh, the 14ers in Colorado, you're starting mm. up higher. Um, so you have like, I mean, like St. Elias, like all these big ones that come right out of sea level, basically. Isn't McKinley or Denali that tallest mountain in the world from bot- based? Yeah, yeah, it's measured in topographical prominence, which basically means like how much it sticks up around the things around it. And like Everest has, you know, what is it? Monstrous mountain. Cho Oyu is on the same <laughs> ridge or whatever, right? Yeah. It's like just another bump on a ridge. They're right. about 3,000 feet off of each other in prominence. Mm. They're just at that elevation. Whereas, like you were saying, Denali goes from sea level to 20,000 feet unbroken, pretty much nothing in between it and the Bering Sea. Nice. Pretty, pretty amazing. Dope. Yeah. Good uh, questions. Wow. What What is the starting? Where does it start? I mean, yeah, you land those planes at seventy eight hundred feet. Okay. Yeah, when you come in from that side, mm. which is what everyone does. So you're already at eight thousand feet when you start Denali. Yeah, you feel like shit kind of on day one because you went from sea level eight thousand feet, which mm. is just enough to be like. A little bit of a headache, a little out of breath, a little dehydrated, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. Not like a lot, but you like you notice it. Yeah. 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 How high are you where you start in the Himalayas for Everest? That's a good question. I think uh I think Kathmandu sits pretty high and then I think like the Lukla airport sits at like seventeen thousand feet. Oh, okay. Like that. So you're way higher. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. So the the last question I had uh, for the trivia is is this? Oh, we're still doing trivia. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Music, this is like real music, quick, real music. real quick. <laughs> and and it, it's more that I just wanted to hear Eric's perspective because Matt yeah. is like Matt Manfredi's a lifelong climber and stuff, and you know how he's close okay. to related uh, yeah. to us, and we we hear about like what do you think? He's like a nerd in history on like Sweet. first expeditions and what he thinks is the hardest place to climb in Alaska. So I just kind of like ner- did some research on like what. A lot of other people have said and kind of like pick the one that was the most popular. What do you think is the most, the hardest mountain in Alaska to climb? Good timing. 
the hardest mountain in Alaska to climb. Right. And there's no right or, right an- right or wrong answer. There's just a couple that I kind of bear researched tooth. on. You're going bear's tooth? Yep. Bear's tooth? There's one of the Wrangles. Uh, man, I can't think of the name. It's in the Wrangles, though. I'm going to leave it at that. It's a, um, Elias? Is that climbable? People have climbed it. I'll go with that. Okay. What do you think? I think uh, the Devil's Thumb and Mount Hunter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mount Hunter, Hunter. was like all around oh. like was like the most difficult like pound for pound yeah yeah they, there's like a whole bunch of stuff here but yeah it, it basically said mount hunters but it has the most difficult routes up yeah right there's like no not easy an easy way. one yeah. right okay there's no just like nice slopes or gradual ridges or the west ridge is the easy way and like last year when i was volunteering in base camp these guys came down from trying the west ridge and they were like we've been soggy for three fucking days on our descent i lost finger in my hand like i didn't lose like blood flow he's like my hands are numb but they're warm like they, like it fucked him up just trying the oh. damn thing yeah you know mm. like by the time you get on and off this long ass technical ridge they didn't even get close to the top you're worked <laughs> you're oh. just worked wow. like glad to be alive didn't even summon it oh no hunter rarely gets yeah yeah, that thing's a beast. Yeah, I'll send you guys all this little link that I found about about Hunter, but it, it's it shows the six reasons why, and it's it's pretty good. You know, it's cool. funny because yeah. your your mindset of mountains is the higher the harder. Yeah, yeah. When when you think about it, it's like Hunter's not the highest, but it's, it's one only of the a fourteener. Oh, only it's only a fourteener. Yeah, yeah. yeah it fucks Colorado people up all the time. Yeah, but mm. then it just wrecks you when you try to climb it, even yeah. the most Trained I, climber, right? I think I sent you a photo of it actually. If you wouldn't that be heartbreaking? Like you're like, I'm gonna climb every 14er and you like do all the ones in Colorado and then all these other ones, and then this is your last one. You're like, Oh no, this is like in Just a different league. Destroys you. No, that's all of them, huh? Yeah. Never mind. I could send you one, but yeah, it's a mean she's a mean beast. Uh seventeen thousand five hundred it's how tall was the base camp. Oh okay. at Everest. Nice. There you uh, go. Yeah. Seventeen thousand five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Eric, before we close it out, uh, what's like a couple of things you got coming up soon that are maybe in the near future, some bucket list things that you're trying to climb or. Yeah. Um, give me a other adventures. Doesn't have to be a climb, I guess. Yeah. Well, I am pretty obsessed. Everywhere you go, you're climbing, right? Yeah. I've definitely uh, like the intent. I make that clear when I meet women. It's like <laughs> I travel, but if the beach it's too far from the rocks, you know, the wall. It's like it's not happening for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do both, but like <laughs> there's too much to do and see. And like climbing's a great wall. way. It's a great way to experience the world, actually. People are like, all you did, you went to Thailand for a month and all you did is climb. And you're like, yeah, but at the same time, I'm like hanging out in the jungle watching packs of monkeys, you know, fly through yeah. the branches and mm-hmm. like getting on a first name basis with the locals in a small beachside village. And, you know, it gets you the most remote, doesn't it? Not always. Like in Thailand, yeah. there's a climb where you have to like rappel onto the roof of the bar and then like off the roof of the bar and then pull your rope and then go in and get a Because <laughs> they built right up against the cliff next yeah. to the beach. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So not By always. Design. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Um, bucket list. It's a good question. Well, I did just buy tickets to see Tool, and I'm pretty fucking Oh, nice. Oh, where are they playing? I bought those tickets at 14,000 feet when they went on sale, which was pretty fun. Like, thank oh. you. Thank you, Elon Musk. Thank you, Starlink. Yeah. Enabling that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, going to Milwaukee, again, Midwest, see the fam. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I've seen them once before, but I'm pretty psyched to like actually have a destination concert. That'll be fun. And then, obviously, tagging some rock climbing afterwards. So, mm-hmm. that'll be cool. In Milwaukee? In Wisconsin? No, no. It'll be like travel? a... I don't know about you guys, but when you live in Alaska, you're like the lower 48. It's only eight hours away. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'll mob down right there down for, Florida. An, yeah, for an afternoon, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I can be within six to eight hours of really good climbing from basically anywhere in the Midwest. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. And then I think in general, just like, you know, managing this, this rad business and trying to do a good job at that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm definitely not shifting my focus any less to the recreation side of climbing, but it's a cool, exciting time to be a part of the Alaska Rock Gym. We're talking about maybe expanding and uh, ice know, walls. Actually, be a youth program specific facility. Oh wow, Ooh, that'd be rad. Yep. Yeah, way cool. Yeah, just an annex off the main building. But mm-hmm. Get the kids out of the gym, give them a space to be, give them more space for everyone else. That's a good idea. I'm going to win. Yeah. Be dope. Yeah. So yeah, and get the kid culture going. Yeah. So it's cool to see where that place is going to go mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of get to be a part of that. So any cool yeah. events or anything coming from the rock gym? Like, are you guys having a, a gathering any summer? Do you guys do camps? Yeah. Oh yeah. We're raging with camps right now. Really? Awesome. Okay. Yeah. We're probably getting pretty close to sold out on the summer camp scene for the rest of the season, but what do your summer camps look like? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, either, I believe. Don't quote me on this. I'm a manager, not, not an actual employee. You know, There's like a morning time. session or afternoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, I think, 9.30 to 11.30 and 12 to 2 or something like okay. that. Yeah. 1 to 3. And you got to go full eight hours, dude. Parents need a full eight hours. Oh, yeah, you <laughs> know what you got to do to qualify for that shit? And it's like, man, you got to get certifications. You got to have like yeah. special... You know, they want you to have like med a med tent and everything. They want you to have a three sink, like <laughs> a mess hall, oh, yeah. like a oh, kitchen yeah. sink, and oh, all this, yeah. like, oh, food oh, handler's yeah. license. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, you gotta have a full kitchen. Yeah, it's gotta oh, be like yeah. a school. Applesauce no, by not. the bucket. The Alaska Rock Gym is not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. applesauce by the bucket. Yeah, exactly. It's my worst nightmare. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. Uh, not at all. Well, the mini camp's good. I mean, two, two, three hours. Your Those kids are down. wrecked after that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we are doing an event on August nineteenth. We're going to do El Cap in a day. Okay. Oh. So, oh wow. Yeah. So in the great lineage of all things climbing, the climbing El Cap in a day has become you know the kind of the gold standard of uh-huh. excellence. Mm. And so what we're doing is a style of event where you have to simulate climbing El Capitan in a day oh. in our facility. All right. Which can look couple different ways a couple years ago when we did this event it's like okay if you want to climb this route like the nose it's 3200 feet so you need to accomplish 3200 feet of climbing which equals like I don't know, 78 laps on our walls or something like that but then in addition to that there's like classic sections of these routes that just mm-hmm. really are like the iconic photos you've seen mm-hmm. yeah 
And those are oftentimes the hardest sections. So we'll set similar things in the gym to simulate uh, kind of uh. like these classic great roof pitches yeah. and stuff. So and the hold movers we're getting to work. Yeah. yeah. Well, no more than usual. No more than like, yeah. It's kind of all part of it. It's like how do they replicate these classic things? Yeah. You don't get to do that very often in a gym. Yeah. 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 And then this year we're doing a thing where you have to actually climb like the difficulty of routes in order. Oh. So like the nose starts with like a 5.8 pitch and then you do like another 5.8 pitch and then you do a 5.11 pitch and then you do a 5.7 pitch and you do a 5.12 pitch and it's kind of like you have to do it in order mm-hmm. with some of these classic features we'll set yeah. to provide like the whole experience. That's cool. Yeah. How many people <sighs> finished so it last hard. time? I'm not sure how many people finished but we had about 100 people participate. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Come on. Hello. And, and what would be like the shortest time? Like, dude, one kid, we didn't design it very well, and he just like cranked on the audible ace, and I think he was done in like a couple hours. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> just just like, like, boom, 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 boom. Do the couple things, crank it out, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, how so, many climbs do you say would it be? Around 70 something? Yeah, if you That's do the math in a day. I really quickly I'll Dude, just I did two and right I was done though. 3200 <laughs> divided by <laughs> yeah, like 70, 76 laps yeah. on our oh walls would be Dude. That's a so many. That's a lot. I'd be yeah. like I'm going to do four in the morning and then we exactly. have, have coffee, do a couple more. Yeah, we, oh, you got gosh. all day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You can take breaks. Yeah. yeah and then what strategy. happens when you fall through the like the features and stuff? Do you have to you just repeat that feature? It's a good question. Yeah. It's uh. like do you just have to get through it or do you have to do it from bottom to top? We don't get that specific. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's like start over. It's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you oh, start. Would be the shit. Yeah. I mean I really a lot of people up do mistakes. Yeah. But I think just for the getting, pure challenge of it, like ah fuck, I failed. I gotta start over. That is kind of like an uh cultural thing with climbing is eventually the goal is to do it almost like a gymnastic routine where you can do it from bottom to top flawlessly and not fall yeah so in the beginning you kind of count your success and like how few falls you took mm-hmm. and you have like language for if you did it like the goal is to do something on site which is like i've never seen this shit before i roll up and i fire it you know well, i'm like that's on site and then there's a whole system mm. of talking about how, like, from there, people work things over sometimes years. Wow. The, the elite level, the cutting mm. edge to, like, dial it down to where, like, the nose, for example, is incredibly hard. It's, like, 14D, I think, or something. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, really hard style of climbing. It's really friction-dependent, holdless, sheer, smooth granite that's all, like, technique and... Yeah. It's really, really hard. Like very, like five people, seven Super people mental. have right. like free climbed to the nose. Right. Wow. For as many people who like do it, you know, pulling on gear. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's okay. what's going on there. Uh, last question for me. Uh, favorite climbing movie. <sighs> or maybe one that everyone should watch. Yeah. Both. How about that? Your favorite and then one that's like, man, you guys should watch that. <laughs> I think... Being an Alaskan and like being an amateur photographer and mm. and a climber, the one about Bradford Washburn, the Sanctity of Space, mm. yep. yeah, where they talk. I mean, it's a climbing movie. You're watching them climb a new route on the Moose's Tooth. That's fucking cool. It's hard climbing, and it's in the Alaska Range. And then they're simultaneously like recreating these Bradford Washburn shots with like modern technology. Yep. 
it's pretty pretty cool is project. that more like a documentary it is uh, yeah okay. it's kind of a mix what, what's yeah. the movie the sanctity of space yeah it's excellent it's excellent yeah i mean some of the sh- and they got these pictures i think they're still up at the museum his his whole thing up there yeah. he's got a whole huge room it's beautiful i think they did something similar up in the princess lodge north of talkie oh, cool. they put like, a, mm. like a specific to this film mm. museum set up there with like a bunch of breads yeah yeah i wonder if it's the same collection and they like i'm sure they move i around. wonder yeah that was an answer for a guy who's watched like real climbing movies yeah yeah, I mean, I mean, like I'm like cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, there's so many terrible, amazing climbing movies. Uh, one's called um, like The Killer Pillar, Ooh. and it's like Yosemite Vertical lo- Edge, long-haired shirtless dude meets girl from inner city gym, teaches her how to climb outside, and then they have like a near-death epic where she has to save him and conquer her fears. And the whole time, the acting is just like terrible. All the climbing facts are totally wrong. You know, it's super campy and over the top. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a whole wave of like modern B level. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So, all right, great. Well, thanks for coming in, Eric. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you telling us all your knowledge, your story, what you're doing over there at the Rock Gym. Yeah. I think it's inspiring a whole new uh, generation of kids to get out there and do something different, which is really cool. It I feel really blessed that that's actually in our city. Yeah. Whereas there's probably a lot of places it's not. No. Yeah. yeah, that's like a tremendous resource. You think about what we have out there for rec, rec centers and uh, sporting, of, you know, organizations, and and then there's an independent rock climbing. Yeah. If you really want to get into that, yeah, I mean, you know, we're locally owned and operated. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But it really is community based. You know, it, oh it hell like yeah, it, yeah. You feel it when you walk in. I appreciate that. Like, I take a lot of pride knowing that. You know. A lot of the backcountry skiers call that their their home base, mm. mm-hmm. or like the mountain biking community. These places, a lot of times, will you know they'll cross over and they'll yeah. get the gym too. So it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. It's pretty special. Yeah. yeah. Um. Any closers, guys? Yeah, man. Thanks, Eric. Man, it's just good stuff. You you brought it for sure. Appreciate and, it, man. And thanks for what you're doing with your volunteer project. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I, it's pretty hard on the body and and putting some pretty strenuous you know uh you know you're you're taking away from your it's i true. guess youth and uh, you know your abilities by you know going out there in altitude and the cold and a month long out in the bush yeah i mean that's that's it's not like you're being compensated really like it's a big time job right it's more of a love and a passion for it oh 100 percent. Yeah. yeah and you know it, it's really cool because you're in a service mindset and that's really what it's all about sure yeah sure you yeah. definitely embrace the suck yeah you do yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah. but uh and, and on top of that we didn't get to touch too much on it but um you know from your artistic musical side but you know thanks for what you do for for teaching kids how to play guitar you know, learn and teach music. I mean, you're uh, yeah. m- lots of facets and many jack of all trades things you got going on. So yeah, well, I'm when's the album drop? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping 2024. <laughs> it's yeah, it's on it. the mountain. We'll have to have you back. <laughs> a couple songs for us. It's yeah. a folk dubstep. Yeah. <laughs> I think you nailed it though. With like, you know, you drew. You're you're you landed a job in your passion. Like yeah, people man. don't get that, you know. And then on top of that, you, you're in the community, you're helping people, and it, it gives you access to groups of people doing cool stuff, you know, that you want to do. So, I mean, you nailed it, dude. I think, like, 
fate found your your home man and it's cool that you're alaskan guy i appreciate that man yeah i like to say that i would have had to tried hard not to end up in alaska it really seemed like all roads yeah pointed here whether i i had no plan you know it just happened yeah, yeah. and it feels like you're yet again another really badass rad story of an alaskan who didn't know they were in alaska until they got here and then here you are as entrenched and embedded in the culture of what being an Alaskan is, and it's okay that you weren't born and raised. Yeah, I've lived here for, forever. Yeah. But you just, you know it's your calling. You love it. Oh, dude. And yeah. you respect it. You're out there on the now. I mean, yeah. you know, welcome to the club, man. Dude, it's, it's just like, thank shit. you. Yeah, it's meant to be. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to Alaska. We appreciate you. Thank you, Eric. Um, you can check out the Alaska Rock Gym, alaskarockgym.com. They also got an Instagram, Alaska Rock Gym. Um, Eric is social media free, so you're gonna have to find him yeah, at the Rock man. Gym. <clears throat> so go to the Rock Gym and say hi to Eric. He's off the radar. Yeah, thank you, Alaska. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you as always. Stay wild, Alaska. You remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcautiousness. Are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney's Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Big Rays, the Alaskan outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Rays has the gear you need tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. Check out their new exclusive line of Rolic Waders. Big Rays for all your outdoor gear and rugged work attire. BigRays.com Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be high-performing and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They are the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include weekly lawn care, custom landscaping, fertilizing, weed control, turf repair, and more. Schedule your free estimate at lawnproak.com. 
Alaska's OG Cider Company, Double Shovel, crafting gluten-free colonial-style ciders, founded as a healthier non-inflammatory brew option. Drop by their pop and tap room in Anchorage off of 58th and Arctic or visit the second location in Kodiak. Double Shovel, award-winning ciders. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaskan public lands, waters, and wildlife. Their goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping our public lands wild. Stand up today and join BHA at backcountryhunters.org. Unmanly to say they cannot do it.